As a cis queer man, I have a lot to say about the male gaze. That's G-A-Z-E gaze. The male gaze is where cultural norms of masculinity intersect with the psychology of desirability. The male gaze dissects, deconstructs, and reduces its object to that objects a collection of traits you're no longer a person you're a thing you either give the viewer what they want or you're a waste of time and energy and that in turn creates victims of normal people people who want to move in the world as a full person as a queer man i both have to examine my own male gaze as well as be the recipient of it i am not immune to the cultural values of desirability and gender norms no but no one is It's work to not be an asshole. It's work to demand not to be reduced into an asshole and a dick and a body and a face and muscles, etc., etc., etc. I don't want to react in pain, live my life with vengeance as a motivator. I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to be treated as a villain when I call out the BS that is the male gaze, that is toxic masculinity. And in turn, I refuse to call Catwoman in Batman Returns a villain. We should fight back against that bullshit. Take control and fucking be fierce doing it. Hi, I'm Pablo. And I'm Paul. Welcome to Scared Gay. A horror movie podcast with a gay agenda. And today we're talking about Batman Returns. Batman ah. Returns. Woo, I'm so excited. So excited to talk about this movie today. Also, just as, if not yes. more excited, to Woo-hoo. welcome Pete and Scott from Movies That Made Us Gay. You. Hi. Thank you for having us on Thanks the show. on. We are so excited to have you. As are we. We're super stoked to be here. One of our favorite Oh, good. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, I've been listeners of you all uh, for a long time. Uh, off the air, I actually showed them. <laughs> uh, when I was cleaning, I found a uh, postcard that, that you send your Patreon supporters. So I, little did I know, uh, two and a half years later, uh, we would be having a, a convo like this. Yeah, this is amazing. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for thinking of us and uh, uh, glad to be here. Awesome. Well, just to kind of kick this off for our listeners uh, who may not know who you are, please uh, introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about movies that made us gay. Yeah, well, I'm Scott. And I'm Pete. And we have a little dog and, sh- and pony show podcast called The Movies That Made Us Gay. And we kind of look at, we have a very broad scope with our show. <laughs> so we sort of look at favorites from our childhood growing up i mean we do some semi-recent movies but yeah we just kind of dissect these type of movies that us homosexuals well one one thing that the two of us forget to kind of mention or bring up ever really is that we are married to each other uh Mm. i think it's It's a home operation don't maybe don't know that or maybe they do i don't know but uh yeah i think the thing is for us uh we don't necessarily focus on lgbt 
themed movies. We do on occasion. We do on occasion. Yep. You know, it's not a hard yeah. and fast, but but mostly they're movies that kind of found their way to to the gays, to the queers, found their way to all of us, and we just all have this shared secret knowledge that this is our movie now. And <laughs> you know, we talk about things that movies that you know. 10 and 11 year old boys were not supposed to be watching, but we were watching working girl and, you know, uh, first wives club. And, <laughs> and Death when these movies were not made for us, but we took them and they are, they're ours now. And that's kind of, that's kind of the angle that we, that we go for on our show. So mm-hmm. all genres, you know, we do horror comedy. Anything's know, kind of on the table with our show. Yeah. We talk about everything. Yeah. We also, hmm. if it has nothing to do with the show, we're just like, well, he's hot. Well, we can do that. We can do this. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yeah, but Jeff Ever's fierce. It works. Yeah. So awesome. Love yeah, it. It, it's it's so funny how us gays constantly find these movies and all collectively do. Like you were talking about movies that you know we were watching when we probably shouldn't have. My entire background with horror and just movies in general is it was wildly inappropriate for me to be watching the movies that I was watching at <laughs> at the age, including including this one. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that that's definitely something that you know we we all share as as queer people. This sounds like a movie, Paul. I'll say this: out of all the movies that you were telling me you were watching, this sounds like the tamest one that your mom allowed <laughs> you to watch. Like, let's be honest. Oh my god, yeah, I was watching this like as a double feature with Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is with so Keanu weird. Reeves and all of that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I think that this. Definitely, maybe one of the more tame ones, but on this recent rewatch, just certainly hearing some of the dialogue, I was like, wow, yeah. I watched I watch this as, <laughs> as a very young child. This is a comic but, book movie that is not for children. This is a comic <laughs> book movie that has the line, there's my pussy. Which, <laughs> no, yep. this, see, like the, the pussy I've been looking for. There's the pussy I've been looking for. Come on. Yeah, I do love what you flush down the toilet. I hang on my mantle. <laughs> that was another one that I loved. <laughs> I sent it to Paul. I was like, I'm into this. <laughs> oh, and I constantly ask my cat about what sexual escapades he's yeah. up to <laughs> upon returning. But I, well, and so this one, like, as you'd mentioned, it's, uh, it's definitely like, you know, a superhero movie, but there's so many like horror elements. And mm-hmm. you'd also mentioned that on your podcast, you cover a broad, array of genres but curious what's both pete and scott what are your relationships with horror and horror cinema in general oh my goodness uh i i was i'm a little older than scott um i was a kid in the 80s and um we had you know my my family uh both my mom and my dad you know uh had a divorced situation and so i'd spend time with each both were early adopters of the vcr right and so we were renting movies we were recording movies my sister and i were taping things we should not have been taping my dad on the other hand was just like hey i rented you know a nightmare on elm street let's all watch as a family bring the cousins and so i I was watching (laughs) horror movies from a very young age getting freaked out by them and so i i definitely have this affinity to 80s horror you know the the slashers that my franchise growing up was a nightmare on elm street that's the one that i really latched on to um nancy thompson my girl my home girl you know <laughs> like, um and so i i've all and i brought scott to a lot of these movies that he kind of maybe wasn't as familiar with 
uh, as a kid just because I was watching the shit out of them. Um, I love Jason. I love Michael Myers. I was definitely watching um, Friday the 13th Part 4, the one with Corey Feldman. Like that one, that one was my favorite of the Friday franchise. But like I was just super right there at the forefront of it at the video store. Like my cousins would run faces of death and we would just like, Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. My cousins rented Faces of Death and I watched it when I was five years old. And I was oh I was talking about the monkey scene in elementary school at like a as a first grade, and the teachers were like, What? (laughs) Absolutely. What I I think one of our cousins was like 18, and so he would like rent them for us, and like we would just go home and watch it in like one of the bedrooms and just why? No business. (laughs) <laughs> no business well, we turned out fine we We're turned fine. out fine and we watched faces of death as real young kids we're good you know what i think this i think the snopes or whatever have kind of debunked most of them as being staged oh they're so, they're all staged but you know so, if you, oh, you know. think about it me and you faces of death maybe we should talk about faces of death in movies that made us gay <laughs> hey yeah <laughs> i'm here for it i'm here for it future episode uh, right. that's a very niche that's a very niche uh that that seems not like as it niche would be played out like the eagle <laughs> not as niche as you would think paul not as niche as you would think <laughs> I would say my biggest probably introduction to horror when I was a kid. Also, I am the child of a divorced household. And when you went over to my dad's house on a Friday night, you know what was on TNT on Friday night in the 90s? Monster Vision. So I remember watching (laughs) a lot of Joe Bob. Monster Vision as a kid. I loved when Poltergeist would come on TV. Like there's just something about that movie that is kind of kid friendly because there are children in it. And there are just some of those scenes yeah. in that movie just used to freak me out. But I loved it, though. Yeah. I mean, even when we were doing a commentary the other night for our Patreon, we just did the NeverEnding Story. And there are shots of the NeverEnding Story that just used to scare the shit out of me. When you oh, yeah. feel of Gamork. Yeah. That I loved stuff like that. A lot of kind of the more hardcore stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street or The Exorcist. I didn't fuck with that when I was a kid. That I kind of knew... I don't know if I can handle this, but I definitely had the relationship walking around the video store of when you would go to the horror section because I just used to really like looking at the video boxes. So I didn't watch any of the nightmare movies, but I knew that video box like I knew what pictures that they had. I remember reading the synopsis from it. So it was just kind of the relationship with these scary movies that I couldn't bring myself to watch. But I used to love looking at them at the video store. And then I feel like in 96, Screen came out. And I think that any gay children just kind of gravitated (laughs) towards that movie. And you had no idea why. (laughs) You just kind of found yourself being obsessed with Scream. And kind of why we sort of identify with a character like Randy. And you don't really know why. So, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of my background with horror. Awesome. Scott, it's so funny you should mention that. I feel like on more than one occasion, we've talked about going to Blockbuster or your various video store and walking down the horror aisle and looking at all of the the, the covers. And mm. I remember like Child's Play 2, that cover always stuck with me of Chucky with like the the scissors and and, and yeah. everything. And it's it's so funny how those moments just stay kind of implanted <laughs> in, mm. in you. For, for so long. Take me back to King Video, where the horror section faced the pornos. <laughs> and I, I'd be like, <sighs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, barely beaded curtain. And I would be like, okay, like my cousins and I would be like, we'll distract the guy. You get all the horror films. And then one of you run in there and just look. <laughs> growing up, the, my first job in high school was working at the movie store in Lewistown, Montana. Still to this day, some of the most fun I've ever had at a job was working at that video store. And they did imagine. not have an adult film section. They had since gotten rid of it. I think that the one that was previously there in the space had something called The Red Book that was Ooh. kind of the adult movies that you could flip through, but okay. there was no back room. And they always knew also where to put the horror section because I feel like at all video stores that I ever went to, it was always sort of in a corner. It was in that awkward corner of the video store just to kind of keep it out of like maybe the the eyesight of some, but it was always kind of stuck awkwardly in like the corner of the video store. Yeah. That's how our, like, that's how ours was. You know, yeah. I never went to uh, growing up. I never went to video stores that had an adult section. I was a little kid in, in San Francisco yeah. and we always went to blockbuster and blockbuster obviously didn't have that. So yeah. I wasn't until my like teens until I went into one where there was like the, the beaded, the the beaded section uh so that that was all new to me <laughs> oh yeah it, for for me it was hanging out with my because i had a lot of boy cousins and so that's where like faces of the death and the kind of more scary horror came in into play because all my boy cousins were older and they were just like we're gonna watch these movies and if you're I gonna also, hang out with i us, also grew up with a lot of girls it. too yeah. my sister and my yeah. cousin too i also have a stepsister so i like i grew up watching stuff like brad pitt movies <laughs> that this one probably wasn't watching no. he wasn't watching like legends of the fall i was, I was but not. just because i grew up with sisters i definitely watched movies like yeah. that <laughs> but um but my cousins they kind of lived a little bit more in the hood and so they're video store was the super duper video that definitely had an adult section yes wow um, same with my cousins they kind of were a little in the hood they were a lot older mostly boys and they were like fuck it what do yeah. you want to watch like what like one of them was like here you want to watch a porno and he just gave me the first thing he picked out which was a bisexual like male male female porno that was like nine and i was like okay, okay. <laughs> random oh my. he was like want to see that he was like 18 he's like this i don't know i don't know what you want to watch i don't fucking care <laughs> we have to come across porn in those days somebody just gave it to you or you found it found it in a box on the street <laughs> yeah a box on the street yeah come on all my cousins who are all a lot older than me they're all homeschooled and in virginia i was the one supplying the porn if anyone was and it, they were certainly <laughs> not receptive to the same type of porn. My mom, my mom is a total fruit fly, and so that was also why we got to like <laughs> watch whatever I wanted. <laughs> nice. All right, so you know we're gonna move on to our next segment. How was your life a horror movie this week? And I want to start with you guys. Tell us how was your life a horror film this week? Uh, I have some body horror to. Uh, yes you do to go Ooh. into <laughs> show I it was <laughs> i was walking home from mcdonald's as you do and uh it was dark and i was walking down a little hill that i walked down all the time but it was hella dark and i just wasn't paying attention i was just probably thinking about you know chicken mcnuggets or something and <laughs> i stepped in a crack in this in the sidewalk and i rolled my ankle Oh, and 
Yeah. I, Much like Madame Laqueer. I fu- did you hear a click? I, I heard my uh-huh. ankle and I heard a click. Um, I did not hear a click. I but I was I rolled my ankle. I didn't hit the ground. Noises came out of my mouth that were not words. I don't know what was happening, <laughs> but uh, I stopped myself. I I stopped myself before I hit the ground. I saved the the McNuggets. I righted myself, and I was like, "Okay, mm. I'm alone. Mm-hmm. I gotta walk home." My leg is broken. This is it. This is how I go. Uh, but I just immediately, immediately, I flashed to Marley Shelton and Planet Terror shoving her hand, her paralyzed hand, in the- <laughs> <laughs> and like breaking it. And it was immediately, I was like, yep, that's what happened. That's me right now. So, yeah, I got, I got a little Planet Terror, uh, Marley Shelton. Bro- broken broken arm situation but uh i'm you know i was only limping for a day it was swollen it was like a big old like grapefruit on my ankle but here i am i'm up and running and i'm back to running not running marathons but you know i'm walking slowly (laughs) running through everybody's mind Hey, always doing that always doing that running running this mouth is what i do this mouth (laughs) but yeah um yeah it was uh it was it hurt. It was it was scary. It was dark. I was alone. But you know, yeah. But you got to it. reward yourself with chicken nuggets afterwards. I got chicken yeah. nuggets at the end of it. So yeah, <laughs> it's really just a hero's journey. Like what, <laughs> what what we just heard. You saved those chicken nuggets. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging my suffering. Well, yeah, of uh, course, Scott, take it. The closest thing that I have to my life being a horror movie is I did have a run in with Mrs. Deagle from Gremlins at my job. My job. <laughs> I interact with the public. I have to talk with little old ladies about, did you find everything okay? Like, how's your day going? And this old lady came through my line. And this bitch did not acknowledge me saying, how is, like, how's your morning been? And she didn't answer me. So I asked her again, how's your morning been? And she looks at me kind of annoyed that she was asked the same question twice. And she's just like, you know what? Not great. I can't find anything in the store. You don't have the cleaning supply that I need. It's out of stock. Because that's where everybody goes for the hardcore cleaning supplies. Because that's where you Trader go for your Joe. hardcore what? cleaning supplies is that you just oh, want God. cleaner from our hobbit section. And I'm just like, well, the manager's right there. Do you just want to tell him? <laughs> so she went up to him and gave uh, one of the mates like an earful. And I'm just like, I think that I just... Uh, was just speaking to Mrs. Deagle from Gremlins. Did she threaten? Straight up Mrs. Deagle. Did she threaten yeah. to kill the dog? She did not threaten to kill the dog. She wasn't, <laughs> uh, she didn't have a snowman in hand too. <laughs> wow. Cute. Yeah. Paul? Yeah, for for me, it was The Descent because uh, over the weekend, my partner and I, uh, we like to go on hikes around the Bay Area and we drove down to San Mateo to go in this, like, uh, it's called the Salson Trail. And there are all these other trails that kind of stem off of it. They're very into hiking and they have all these, like, apps on their phone to show us, kind of the uh, help direct us. And before we went down there, I was like, oh, shoot, I can't find the shoes that I need to wear. I, I'm just going to wear these tennis shoes. And they actually don't have that much good traction on them. And then we start walking and it's a little misty and then it gets really muddy. And then my partner, God bless them, 
But Jesus Christ, they decided to take us down this trail that we're halfway down it. And they're like, oh, yeah, this trail is called Slippery Trail. I kid you not. I was sliding down, screaming at them, going, why did you take us down this trail? I was not sure our relationship was going to make three end of this hike. I And so I kind of classify them as like the Juno of taking uh, in descent, if you're familiar with it, of not saying this yes. is uncharted territory. <laughs> <laughs> but we survived, uh, as did our relationship. <laughs> it was really my fault at the end of the day, because I was like, I should have maybe been more not as forgiving of like, oh, these shoes can make it. But they were like basically <laughs> like slip and slide down an entire uh, mountainside. No run-ins with bat people, though. You know, that would have at least, like, there was nary a person down there, so at least maybe a bat person could have helped me. Pablo, how about you? Um, Mine is the movie Severance, uh, because it's, you know, a job-related horror film. Um, So my, my, the owner of the gym decided, uh, well, not decided, but, like, left for three weeks to Japan and was like, uh dropped a huge bomb and then like left and i was like huh cool 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 so my phone was blown up like fucking you know um when a stranger calls it's like every single person all fucking day from three in the morning to nine i can't make it in what's this what's that why am i oh my god i was like going crazy and then like i had to change everything over for all the payroll shit and so it was just a lot of just like being there 11 hours a day all day just taking over for someone being like i'm gonna fucking kill myself i'm gonna fucking kill myself i'm gonna fucking kill myself (laughs) and um yeah i'm good it'll be fine three more weeks to go you'll get through it you'll get oh yeah i'll be good (laughs) All right, so switching gears back to Batman Returns. Pete and Scott, tell us, when did you first see Batman Returns and kind of what's your initial relationship with it? Well, I remember being, I mean, I was like six years old when this movie came out, but I even have the memory of when I was a kid of Batman Returns just feeling like the biggest movie of all time when you're like a child. Like this movie was huge. I mean, Batman 89 like that was a huge fucking deal but this movie we got like catwoman we got the penguin i mean all of those ads the bat the cat the penguin i mean that fucking copy it's like so good i did not see this movie in the theater maybe a little too young so i was not one of those children like crying in the movie with like my (laughs) parents but even though i would have loved to have seen this in the theater i did not see this movie until home video that i remember watching this with my dad in the basement and I was just living my goddamn life that I straight out of the gate. Greatest movie that I had ever, that I had ever seen as like a six year old. And then, I mean, I ended up getting the Catwoman. I mean, immediately obsessed with Catwoman. Like you're immediately drawn to her. And I had the action figure of Michelle Pfeiffer. I remember always wanting (laughs) when she would come on because they had clips of the movie And it was my favorite toy to play with as a kid that I always had this Catwoman action figure. Like she went with me everywhere when I would go visit my dad, um, when we would take trips. I mean, I used to play with Batman toys as a kid and I lost it. 
I lost it at my dad's house and he lives out in the middle of the woods. And so I had a couple terms of losing my favorite Michelle Pfeiffer action figure that I later got this back when we were at a toy collecting place called Frankenson's in industry in California. And I saw it and I was like, Holy Dope. shit. There yeah. is the toy of my childhood. Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman. I mean, this I mean, this action figure. Like she whips like She's wearing a corset. She's wearing a corset she's- and she has like a little like beauty mark on her face, too. I love I, it. Oh my god. She's pretty detailed. Her arm like whips the whip like up and down. So, I mean, it says one of my uh, favorite toys as a kid with was whipping, playing this. with whipping arm action and taser gun. Yeah, so you're given like oh, yeah. a mini version of the taser gun that Michelle has. And then Oh my uh, god. Yeah. I mean, and then this was just one of those movies that I mean, I was always watching it. My par- my grandparents uh had a laser disc player that I grew up on laser discs that I would watch them all the time. And I still have the laser disc that I would watch oh, in their- shit. Go oh, my god. I would go this um, is so good. Batman 89 to Batman Returns, and it was always just one of the two I was watching when I Scott, went over to their house. Do you remember at what scene you had to flip the laser? Um, yes, it is. Um, it's one of the scenes with Max and Penguin. Okay. I can't, like, it, like, it's one of those things that I can't describe it, but when I'm watching the movie, I know where it is. That mm, I have to, black. I'm going to have to go flip the laser disc now. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh my but God, yeah. That's so cool. And I still have most of the laser discs that I used to watch too, and this was one of them too. Yeah, mm-hmm. dope, dope. Uh, I saw this in the theater with my sister. Um, I was about twelve or thirteen. I like Batman eighty nine. I remember Batman Mania, but I also remember at the time, kind of acknowledging to myself, like. I think you're really trying to make this movie better than it is. Like, and you, you definitely want, get that you, in you rewatches wanted, of Batman 89. Too. You wanted this yep. movie to be better than it actually is. Right. And I'm just like, no, no to myself. Like, it's great. Like you love it. This is so wonderful. Okay. So that happens. And then I remember seeing, um, posters at the movie theater. Cause my sister and I would go to the movies all the time. We'd go with my dad and I would see the posters at the movie theater for Batman returns. And it's the bat symbol and it's snow. And I'm just like, Holy shit. Like what? In the, what? <laughs> right. And my sister at this point, she's a few years older than me. She has uh, entertainment weekly subscription. And I start like pouring through there. I start seeing pictures, images, Catwoman, all that. And I don't remember what movie we were watching, but I remember the trailer for Batman Returns started and my sister and I kind of like grabbed each other's arm sitting next to each other and we're like, oh shit. And it was a lot of the first fight with Batman and Catwoman on the rooftop. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't, I'm like... Oh my god! I can't. I cannot fucking wait. So finally, it happens. It comes out, and I remember everything. I remember people. Summer ninety two. I remember people shattering bus shelter windows to steal the posters out of the oh bus shelters. I remember them ripping them off buses. Um, movie theaters were taking them out of their frames because people were breaking the, the glass to steal. Yeah. Where the did you grow up? Where that was happening? Less I don't remember. Ah, yeah, Los Angeles, big city um, shit. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it was on the news and like it was just crazy. And then I saw it and I was like, okay, this is the one. Like I really do like this. <laughs> like this I, I I didn't have to convince myself that it was good. I was just like, no, fuck this. This is great. And I think it was all I think it was all Catwoman. I think it was all Michelle. It was just that the the you know Yeah. I'm orig- I'm you're immediately drawn to Catwoman, but on revisits of this movie. Uh, Danny knocking it out of the park. Right. 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 Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And ju- just the whole, just Tim Burton-ness of it. I feel like at the time, culturally, we didn't have this vocabulary of like, it's a Tim Burton movie. So people are going to like a certain way, but even just seeing, I remember being at a, um, well, it was called Pick and Save then. Now it's Big Lots, right? Mm-hmm. I was at Pick and Save and they had books and there was a, making of Batman returns and I'm looking through it and I'm like 12 and I'm seeing these Tim Burton sketches of Catwoman, you know, and just like with the really long spindly legs and like those crazy, like pen and ink drawings, sort of looking like Sally from nightmare looking exactly yeah. like nightmare. Mm. And I, was, and I ju- wanted to beg my parents to get it for me and it's pick and save. So what's it going to cost like $3. And I didn't, I didn't, I was just like, ah, I'm, I'm, they're not going to get it for me. So I left it there on the shelf. I never got it. But, um, I just remember the spectacle of it and, um, and just thinking, yeah, Danny DeVito. Perfect. Uh, what great casting. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of, I remember the critical kind of backlash it's too dark it's ugly it's you know it's scary whatever but i was just like i'm here for it i i will watch michael keaton and michelle pfeiffer beat the shit out of each other in a rooftop like all day long all day every day yeah amazing yeah pablo yeah i i was like eight when this came out i don't think i went to no i did go watch it in the movie theaters um with my mom and my aunt now i remember uh like my mom being like oh la michelle pfeiffer she's so gorgeous like she's always <laughs> like oh she's so gorgeous that woman she was like always just like oh and my mom and really enjoyed michelle pfeiffer as an actress and my dad was also like oh she's so beautiful um that that's just one thing that stands out like my parents always just commenting on how beautiful michelle pfeiffer was um and uh we went to go watch it and uh i remember just liking it uh i don't think it like by this point, I had seen much crazier horror films, so this didn't register to me as necessarily a horror film, but it was like, it definitely has a lot, it's definitely informed by horror, for sure. Um, so I thought it was fun, but I think, like, I saw it in the theater, then maybe, like, when it came out, I saw it probably the next year with my cousins for something, and that was really it, right? Like, I, I think for us, it was a little too long for us to keep our attention, Um but that's it. And then I haven't really watched it since. Just all I ever think is Michelle Pfeiffer. So gorgeous. As my mom yeah. would say. Yeah. Awesome. What about you, Paul? So this might actually be one of the movies that made me gay. <laughs> I, I, I cannot tell you the very first time that I watched it. I was three years old when it came out, but my mom is insistent that I saw it in theaters. By my earliest, but I just always remember being obsessed with this movie. I was really into Batman by the, like the earliest, like memory I can like pinpoint that I definitely watched. This was, I, I lived in South Carolina in the summers. My mom would ship us off to South Carolina for two months every summer. And I would 
I remember watching this with my granddaddy and this would have like in summer of 1993. Cause that was actually, he passed away later, later that year. So this is like one of my memories with him. I was obsessed with, I had like these Batman pajamas that I would wear. I remember we owned the VHS very early on. I very much remember that like slip cover that slip VHS cover of it and Catwoman and Scott, similar to you, I, I, it was not an action figure. It was like a toy that I was like only secretly allowed to have because <laughs> this was the nineties, but it was a Catwoman like Barbie doll, um, but not a Barbie doll, but she was like rubber. The yeah. arms did not move, but it was Michelle Pfeiffer full costume. And like, it was just like rubber, but still very form fitting. And I, do not know where that is. I'm sure maybe my family at one point of being like, uh, Paul's Paul's a little too into Catwoman <laughs> and maybe wants to be Catwoman. <laughs> Let's maybe hide this. I don't, we don't know where the, where the doll went, but this is a movie that I just like, whenever I think of Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, Michael Keaton, like this is the movie that I think of them. And it is, it definitely was very much a gateway horror film. Like there are definitely like horror elements to this. And like, I never was really into the 89 version. I think I probably just watched this one first. And then I was so enthralled with this one that I couldn't really lash on to the, to the 89 one. And also then doing some research on this, I can see the major differences. The 1989 version is it, it's Tim Burton, but it's not. And I think, and that actually led to the style of it. Really, this is a true Tim Burton oh, yeah. hallmark, like has his total stamp on it. I, and I think that the, you know, makings of someone who was a queer person into horror, I think, again, I was very, very, very young watching this film, but definitely kind of helped shape like my taste in movies, my taste in leather, it is, <laughs> uh, is all of that, all of the above. I mean, we do love a Batman movie that Batman is pretty much sidelined as the girlfriend and the woman takes like center stage. Yeah, like, I love that. sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. We probably shouldn't even call this uh, episode Batman Returns. We should just call it Catwoman Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Catwoman is here. <laughs> yeah. With now, a cameo uh, by Batman. <laughs> yeah. So if you grew up on the Batman toys, do you remember the Catwoman McDonald's car? <laughs> with the little tail I was that just was, going to say like yes. that. I was just going to bring up the McDonald's toys. I had those. I had you not know, thought about that until just now. And yes, yes, <laughs> I totally do. Donald's Happy Meal is Batman Returns themed toys, which might have seemed like a good idea in the marketing meaning as they were they filming got in the movie. Huge trouble. <laughs> McDonald's got yeah. in huge trouble. It's like this McDonald's Happy Meal presents like a Serbian film, right? Like, <laughs> who would do that? <laughs> This movie is so fucking adult. Like it is like not for kit. And like we talk about like later on, we'll probably get into it later, but like Batman begins and I, uh, you know, the Christopher Nolan series is definitely considered so dark. Like this is just as dark. It's a, it's, it's a little bit more, um, in a different camp. way. Yeah. This yeah, has more camp for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But not as much camp as uh, Batman and Robin. 
No. Sure. And yeah, I mean, also, I mean, you mentioned Batman and Robin. I used to watch the shit out of the Joel Schumacher movies. So, I mean, yeah. those are movies that I'll go to bat for that I would watch them over and over as a kid. Just thinking yeah. that Chris O'Donnell was super cute with that buzz cut. And with earring, his nipples. His nips. <laughs> the bat suit with the well, nip. That, I mean, can still quote probably every line of dialogue from Uma Thurman and, and Batman Robin. Like, she it's so good. Fierce. She was fierce. I'm going to share a really gross and vulnerable detail. I remember, like... <laughs> watching Batman and Robin in theaters for a friend's birthday. And then the scene where Uma Thur- like the scenes where Uma Thurman and, and Robin are all over each other, I mm-hmm. uh, being like seven or eight years old and the early days of standing at full attention <laughs> yeah. in the theater <laughs> and being like, what? what is, what is this? What is this feeling? Why did my popcorn fall over? <laughs> all right, let's get right into it. Okay. So this was, as we mentioned, directed by Tim Burton. It was written by Daniel Waters, from a story by Daniel Waters and Sam Hamm, and music, Avi, by Danny Elfman. It was released, like you said, in the summer, June 19, 1992, so you can calculate all of our ages by what we just said about this. <laughs> um, it The budget was, you know, between 50 and $80 million. And the box office was $266.8 million, so it made a lot at the box office it stars michael keaton as batman danny devito as penguin michelle pfeiffer as selena kyle aka cat woman a very twinky looking christopher walken as max shrek uh michael goff as Compared to like what how I know him, he's like such like a gaunt little thin beautiful face. He looks like a male model to me in this he, movie. <laughs> he looks like he's contributed a lot to his four hundred one k at this point, but that's <laughs> only because they dyed his hair. It's a wig. It's the crazy hair. It's a wig. It's a wig. But look at his face. His skin is smooth yeah. like butter. I was like, we oh my just God. We just about a view to a kill. Uh, for our Black Friday episode, and he's the villain in A View to a Kill. I mean, eighties Christopher Walken, very handsome. Yeah, he. Oh, he yeah. has a, he, he has like like sort of thing. He's he's very like. He had a pretty face. Twink yeah. boy look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something kind of about him. It's very interesting, very unique. Uh, Michael Goff is uh, Alfred Pennyworth. Pat Ingle as Police Commissioner James Gordon. Michael Murphy as the mayor and Paul Rubens. I'm so excited to see Paul Rubens. I totally <laughs> forgot he was in this. And Diana Salinger as the couple pots. Yes. It wasn't until a few years ago that I realized that was him. Oh, I, I, I always knew because I was a big <laughs> peewee kid. So I always knew it was Paul. And he must have been doing this like fresh off of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because didn't that come around, come out around the like same 90, time? Yeah. No, it was not. I think it was 92. Buffy's 92, yeah. Oh. Cool. Uh, All right. Cool. Well, uh, we can go into some behind the scene facts. And uh, Scott and Pete, I'm sure you guys have a a lot of these and maybe some to add as well. But this was originally supposed to be like a true direct sequel, but Tim Burton didn't want 
to do that and intentionally didn't include a lot of references. I think there was supposed to be some inferences to the Joker, but really the only thing that was kept in uh, leftover was the Vicky Vale uh, kind of plot lines, hearing a bit about their their relationship and how it didn't work out. Now, he added uh, screenwriter Daniel Waters to help separate uh again, kind of keep that separation from that original, but they had a lot of disagreements. And so they brought in Wesley Strick to do rewrites, pretty heavy or decent amount of rewrites. And he was actually on set, but he was not credited. So Daniel Waters was, uh, was still credited. Now, Burton agreed again, because he didn't want to do like a direct sequel, wasn't super into the idea of sequels. So he agreed to do this. Uh, he could keep con- creative control and kind of like, as I touched on earlier, this feels like a true Tim Burton film, a lot of j- just the angles and the, the the scenery and just the kind of like off kilter, uncomfortable kind of like cartoonery, even though this isn't cartoonish, but just that more kind of uh, very stylistic Tim Burton. And so there was also, uh, you know, always it was going to have this Christmas uh, time setting, but they did, and they were going to include Robin, who was going to be played by Marlon Wayans. And- sure. And he was getting residual checks for a while because he was casted, but he wasn't uh, actually included. Uh, and I, it would have been nice kind of, I, I mean, I, I would have detracted, it would have been nice to have a person of color in the film. Uh, yeah, but also, it's, it's very, also character, except for I, like the thuggish clowns, like those were the only right. people of color. Uh, it, it would have been nice to have someone, uh, a person of color, but also the Robin character as scripted was homeless. Yeah. So it's like, why? <laughs> oh, okay. That part I did not know. Was, I, I mean, we watched yeah. a YouTube video about the script that, I mean, who was uh, San Ham, that there was sort of this underlining theme of these hawk statues with like, oh, that's a whole with like thing, yeah. the Gotham like elite. It all revolved around these statues and Penguin and Catwoman were stealing these statues. I mean, I don't know. There's videos that break down the original story, but it's going to be a no for me. That was oh, all totally. That was all pre Daniel Waters too. But exactly, uh, yeah. Because originally the whole thing was to center around uh, Penguin and Catwoman wanting to like it was like treasure hunting. So kind of to, to to what you were inferring, and that goes back to like Catwoman. I think historically she was like a like cat burglar was in, it was a jewel thief and i think that they wanted to deter that and luckily gave us a much more compelling and interesting storyline of them wanting to you know frame frame batman i historically the costumes particularly for michelle pfeiffer were a bit of a nightmare i don't know about either of you but i i went Earlier this year, I was killing time in L.A. I was staying with a friend and I had a day to kill. So I went down Hollywood Boulevard and I just stumbled upon Icons of Darkness, which is a museum that has a whole bunch of Hollywood memorabilia, uh, costumes, sets. It's really, really cool. I Icons of Darkness, sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a free shout out. It, uh, it's a really, really cool uh a museum to kind of check out if you're just kind of walking along Hollywood Boulevard and it in there is the Catwoman costume from Michelle Pfeiffer. So I got to see it in real life and see how tiny she was. And like she, but she's five, seven. So she's not, she's not short. 
and and just how thin and knowing that what we all know is that she had to be like sewn in and vacuum sealed <laughs> into the costume. She could not wear it for too long. She had issues hearing when she was wearing when she was wearing the costume. So they actually had her lower her register a little bit because apparently she was just like screaming her lines. <laughs> but it, it but worked. it works. It, it worked. Worked. Yeah. Yep. And it, 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 it there's totally this whole theme of duality and like that's kind of you know cool as well seeing her two different voices and when she puts on the Catwoman mask while she has some of that you know Selena Kyle energy there's still something you know that extra Catwoman and it's done much more subtly than Christopher or Christopher and then Christian Bale did and oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh later on I Batman's costume Michael Keaton after the first one demanded a zipper be put into into the pants as well I uh, I've never thought that that costume looked comfortable because like no. you can't turn your head and you just constantly it doesn't seem aerodynamic or no. I don't know what the word I'm looking for no. uh and then also I uh, but interestingly enough Penguin or Danny DeVito found his padding to be rather comfortable, but he did have to keep his uh, makeup total secret from, from everyone. They had yeah. to keep that under super wraps. I wasn't even allowed to, uh, to tell his family. Um, by you need icon. Vinyl makeup mm-hmm. artist. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you have a bullet point in here. I, I, I don't know if someone added it in. Um, about I did. Then. I'm getting there. I'm okay. Getting there. <laughs> well, I, 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 I have it. I have it written there. I have it written there, but I was going to save it for my next bullet point when I was going to talk about Michelle Pfeiffer again. Uh, so originally she was, this role was supposed to be Annette Benning, but Annette Benning became pregnant and Maybe Michelle Pfeiffer of the mold mm. of the, of the cowl with mm. Annette's face. They're online. No, I, oh, I have not. I'm going to get a little bit of a of a peek of what that character would have looked like had it been Annette. And the, and the cow's a little different. Interesting. Uh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, Annette Benning and I are both um, alumni of the same theater program, by oh. the way. Fun, fun right. fact. <laughs> From San Francisco State. <laughs> Go Gators, I guess. But uh, <laughs> So she was originally supposed to be... Uh, uh, Catwoman. Michelle Pfeiffer was always a huge Catwoman fan, so she was super excited to do this. When they did the costume, Michelle Pfeiffer, what I read online was, quote, less endowed than Annette Benning, And the costume originally was going to be much tighter, and if it had been tighter, it would have sh- showcased her genitalia. So Pablo is referring to what I have written in the notes here, is uh, Benning, it would have been better because she wasn't as endowed as Benning, and she would have been camel-toed. I uh, that's kind I of was yeah so I wanted to be like she got a puffy pussy but you just said she was <laughs> pregnant so that makes a little more sense because I was yes. like what is this just something everyone knows is that me <laughs> Did you guys know about her vagina her massive lips okay um all right 
And then uh, famously, Michelle Pfeiffer did all of her own whip tricks. I, mm-hmm. It's really cute seeing her talk years later about like how she still has the whip, but she's rusty. She if, like you can watch the clips of her actually doing the like filming the scene. She uh, trained for months and months to be able to do this, uh, along with studying or doing karate, yoga. And, uh, you know, again, she was just very, very excited to to have this role. And then I this will be a seven hour episode if we go into all the different like uh, before we get into the actual. uh, uh, So the last one I want to just throw out there is PETA. I've heard conflicting things they were like okay for they were pissed and then they but then they were okay with how the penguins were treated because they did a mixture of animatronic penguins and actual penguins but then they got pissed that there wasn't fresh water it was it was just a bunch of drama but then i also saw online that there was this cute story of they found one of the real penguins snuggling up next to yeah. one of the animatronic penguins that is so cute those penguins are fucking cute cuz they had they used the emperor <laughs> and the like adeli penguins oh the cutest thing ever <laughs> they had to keep the sound stage cold because of the penguins cuz they love it they had the big water tank so they had to keep cold water yep those are cutie boys <laughs> All right, let's get into the characters. So first, let's talk, you know, let's just get this one out of the way. <laughs> Batman. I mean, we know the rules. <laughs> let's just talk Batman. And, you know, it's about him, right? Sure. Um, it's kind of interesting, I think, uh, in the 90s, this idea that rich people are essentially good. <laughs> right. Sure. But there's an and, overall theme in this movie of, yeah, like, there is. Two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they're they're questioning it. But, you know, he's I mean, he's he's essentially like morally right at everything and smart and all this stuff. Um, he's very interesting. But yeah, he likes to he says a line when he's talking to Catwoman, but it's essentially he kind of sees himself as like the outsider and the outcast a little bit. Right. Um, which is so funny to me, seeing it in a 2023 lens and being like, hmm. Okay. It's <laughs> like shut up. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's interesting when we finally do see Batman. What twenty five minutes into this movie, yeah. uh, when they light up the bat signal and he's just sitting, sitting in his sitting, sitting in a comfy in chair, yeah. just pondering, brooding, pondering life, just brooding. Um. But you know, the thing is, it's like Batman and Superman are as characters are at least a hundred years old. Right. Yeah. And even, even in the eighties when, and in the seventies, you know, when they're doing Superman movies, it's like, okay, let's make these big blockbuster movies for the whole family and for a wide audience about these characters that are old men. Right. At, at, as far as like how, how long they've been around and like the values and the ideas of these comic book writers in the twenties and the thirties are very different than like a modern eighties audience. Right. So I I think with Batman, it kind of worked a little bit better because it's like, Oh, he's a detective and he doesn't have superpowers. So he has to use his brain and he has to be smart and he has to like figure things out using his, this technology that he invented. Right. Um, whereas Superman is just like all knowing, all yeah. seeing, yeah, just this godlike figure. So I, Superman is extremely difficult to write a compelling story about because it's like, what 
you got to bring kryptonite in otherwise who cares right um but even though batman still has a little bit more going for him as a character it's still an outdated kind of like you're saying he's this rich guy that we're supposed to be like thank you bruce wayne for saving us but it's like thank you capitalism like capitalism is right yeah but mr monopoly like he literally has stranglehold on gotham city like with Mm -hmm. wayne enterprises or whatever it's like we don't want that like in the real world bruce wayne is a villain right he's a super villain so it's it's i also think that in the 80s and 90s moviegoers kind of let stuff like that go yeah you know what i mean nowadays Mm -hmm. we're just like fuck that like we think about these things as movie watchers and we watch movies over and over and over again on demand or we buy the the you know the blu-ray or whatever i i feel like audiences in the you know at that time were just a little bit easier to just be like what I, okay that's fine billionaire like savior cool whatever it's it's batman i just want to see batman right but now we're at this time where we can kind of like we have the luxury or whatever of breaking all this stuff down and you know we get to that thing of just like Okay, is is Bruce Wayne just like a fucking like Jeff Bezos kind of like mm. grosso that we do not want like saving our city? Um, so yeah, it's it's difficult because these legacy characters are just they're just outdated. You know, they don't really work anymore. Yeah, but it's I mean, so interesting because like, and we'll talk about it obviously when we get to Max Shrek is because there's definitely this overwhelming theme of like, like capitalism and power and politics and it, our our quote hero is completely part of that exact same machine Absolutely. i mean he's even on that on the max shrek board i mean i don't even know what this board is i guess that they're just bringing in wayne enterprises in a meeting but he's the voice of reason though he's the yeah. one that's just like i don't oh, know oh, well like, i mean it all well, sort of around power plants right yeah it's it's also this thing i i would say like especially at this time like you know we had just kind of gotten out of like the cold war and everyone already had these ideas that like you know we have cuba here and we have you know the soviet which are like communist countries and china which is this big communist country and we as americans it really does represent american values right as like we are capitalists so the people who make money the 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 like blue bloods in capitalism they actually have it right you know and like it's in a weird way it's kind of like i mean gatsby is about dissecting and really criticizing like money and blue bloods and, 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 and the nouveau riche and all that stuff. But this also kind of does a little bit of that, Um, at at least the story of Batman. So it kind of stays with it. And I think one of the things that's really fascinating about like superheroes and comic book movies are, they truly are like truly, truly are a machine that like pulls out and just says, look at us. These are our values as a society. Right. So like now we're not really watching Batman movies. We're watching, joker films right and like there's this huge thing of like we are anti everything we are the ones who stand against the machine right like there's this big thing but you know now 80s 90s we are very much the belief that like it reminds me of this episode of the golden girls where stan's cousin (laughs) comes from uh the czech republic and she's like 
right? And and like Dorothy's like, what are you talking about? We found out communism is a failed system. And she's like, I know, I'm a communist. Like she's like <laughs> defending it. Well, it's very much like this is the Dorothy. If Dorothy had written a movie about a superhero, it would be Batman, right? He has everything at his disposal because he is such a good person. He earned it, right? And he went through something, Um, which is in very interesting contrast, I would say, to the next character. But we can either move on or if anyone has anything to say about Batman, we we can still talk. He's fine. He's just a mid. (laughs) Ah! Yeah. It is also funny. I'll say this. Like, I understand that, like, Michael Keaton is, like, a handsome man, but he's not played by, like, like, it's not, he's not, like, sexualized handsomeness as, like, a lot of the super. I find that, I find, I actually find that to be a little bit more alluring to him. Yeah. I find that to be a little bit more, like, again, like, he's a very basic kind of, like, mid- attractive there are parts Very in unassuming this, yeah and, and there are parts in this movie where i'm like oh you like that where the tingles and jingles start going for him mm-hmm. but for the most part meh. Yeah. yeah like if he bought me a drink at a bar i'd be like thanks but that's like, it i'd be like thanks <laughs> like if he messaged me on grinder at like three o'clock in the morning and i was drunk enough i'd be like nah, okay <laughs> and but also if it's actually bruce wayne i'd be like sure and buy me an imac yeah, like, <laughs> I'd be like, find me a house. Also, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'd fin, fin yeah. dump the fuck out of him. <laughs> my car, and we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you want to split brunch? <laughs> exactly, Jesus. How do you feel, um, Michael Keaton? Sort of, uh, in the grand scheme of like cinematic Batman's, is uh, where do you where would you put Michael Keaton? Like, who's your favorite of the movie Batman's? Well, he's the one who introduced me to Batman. So for me, he kind of got imprinted in my brain as the standard of Batman. So I always viewed Batman as like older, you know, like entering middle aged Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, just, you you know, like who's who has the body of an intellectual. Um, And so I kind of always (laughs) kind of saw Batman as that, you know. Um, so, so to me, it's always kind of been, I will say like Michael Keaton. I agree. I think he's probably my top one, but I think to Pablo's point, I think that's just because that's who Batman is to me. I mean, I guess a close second would be Christian Bale, but I also find his Batman to be pretty insufferable just because Mm -hmm. of that voice. But I don't know. For me, it's a toss up between one or the other. I mean, who's going to say Ben Affleck? Uh, but I mean, <laughs> sure. I mean, Clooney, Clooney. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for me, it's a toss up between Michael Keaton. I mean, maybe a little bit of Val, Val just because of those lips. Those lips. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a prerequisite <laughs> for Batman is you have to have a really good chin and lips okay well i for one will not stand for this robert pattinson erasure in this room i like robert pattinson (laughs) you know what i will say like i actually enjoy the fact that we had someone that wasn't roided to the gills playing yeah he had i think that's 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 great body yeah Yeah. um let's talk about the penguin Uh, such a fun such a fun character i i yeah I will say I'm not always like the fan of the villainization of disability, but this is still (laughs) a pretty fun character. Yeah. I, on this rewatch, I'm kind of like, 
Danny DeVito is kind of the MVP of like, it's, it's yeah. really, it's it all Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer. Like yeah. these performances are just like, they nails it out of the park. His comedic timing, his, um, it, it, his line delivery is it's just good. so, uh, is just so good. And honestly, I, I find myself having like a lot more sympathy for him and just like what this world has done to create, like turn him into a, like him being rejected from the world. And I find that his whole story to be rather kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 The, the, the quote unquote villains in this are definitely people who have been hurt and victimized by the world. And they both kind of, you know, want to like give the middle finger to the world, but one wants to like, essentially like, you know, Catwoman wants vengeance and he wants like to regain power and control. Um, So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that just Oswald's journey or like the penguin, I mean, it's his journey to find an identity or a profile for a character like the penguin. I mean, that has to be such an interesting character to flesh out. Cause when you look at the character of the penguin, I mean, you go to, you would go to Burgess Meredith and Batman in Batman, the TV show. I mean, kind of a very one dimensional stock yeah. type. Like you think of the voice, you think of the cigarette and the top hat and you really kind of break down like, well, who is this guy? Just a crime boss. Yeah. This crime boss. And yeah. just sort of the dark and human, this dark and human animal trying to find some humanity. That's what I think is kind of interesting about when you follow this character in the movie is that he's trying to find out like who he is. Like he's trying to find out his backstory. How did he end up like this? Like, Oh, he was, he's like the heir to like Cobblepot Manor with Paul and, and Diane. Mm -hmm. He's heir to the Pee Wee mansion. Heir to the Pee Wee mansion. That shot of Paul and Diane. I think I think of that every single week is them them looking at the box that they have their child in and just how Paul and Diane like play that how they brilliantly underplay looking at this animal of a child like it's brilliant and I mean you could only that with somebody like Paul and and Diane Salinger yes um I loved his character because I just I don't know his character was who's really fun. Danny DeVito did such a fucking good job, but he's, you know, he is this crime boss. He's such a sociopath, but he's also kind of like a fucking gremlin. Like that's the only way I can describe it. Like he's such a, yeah, he like his, his brain is just like a homunculus where it's just like, there's nothing that kind of makes him like, you know, this, like there's no humanity really in him. I, I still can't. What I enjoy about this is I can't tell if he is rejecting humanity because he's also this whole entire time I was watching the film. I was like, where did he learn to write? Where did he learn to read? How did he learn to do all this stuff? Like he knows. A he's lot. very articulate. He's and also, how did he survive as a baby? Did someone like. Right. So, so, but like, when was he found by the the idea is that he was raised by the derelict penguins and Mm. then the circus, the the Red Triangle Circus found him and then he was a sideshow act. He was the penguin boy, I think. So maybe like, and then there were children. Yeah. There were children that disappeared. The circus went out of business. Right. Also egregious in this and. This movie, the way that the timeline works, he's supposed to be 33 years old. Yeah, 33. <laughs> 33. What? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. 
their Christ allegory with the penguin. <laughs> I I saw that and I was like, well, maybe I don't need to schedule my next Botox appointment. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think the idea is just that. Yeah. He just rose through the ranks of like the circus, but it's like these. Okay. Yeah. You know, like like you talked about. You know. Um, He's a villain and he's kind of has these like, uh, you know, these disabilities. It's like, yes, he does have this sort of like polydactylism situation going on. How much that informs the character. Uh, But it's just, you know, we get penguin puns. (laughs) And I'm I'm here. I'm here for him. Just like, there's. his his mode of transportation is a giant rubber duck. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Going up those stairs. I I like the idea that he, like we said, he has his own agenda of just like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out my parentage and all this stuff. But is that really what he's looking for? Okay, we figure out he he's like the heir to the cobble pots. I guess all the money ran out, or uh, maybe he gets money at some point, but. Max Shrek is there to say like, okay, well now I'm going to have you run for mayor and you're going to be this like puppet mayor of Gotham. So we can, you know, continue to do crime. But, but Penguin Oswald is just like, sure, I'll go along with that. So I can keep doing my like evil nefarious plan. Yeah. I guess. But I don't know. I always interpreted interpreted that as he's got, like he he's very cunning and he has a step ahead where he's where he has this back pocket plan. Right. Yes. Like like cuz he I find him if you take him and you put and Max and you kind of combine them together and watching this through a 2023 lens post mm-hmm. everything that happened after 2016 there's a lot of Trump fuck you. I I was going to say that. Oh, I mean, oh, I, to where to where at, even after he gets exposed, I was expecting there to be people to be like false flag, false yeah. flag. <laughs> it did it yeah. didn't quite like wind up like the penguin diving in the sewer like in real life, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've you know, I was gonna say he's giving me a lot of Trump vibes and uh Max Shrek is giving me a lot of Elon Musk vibes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, where it's like all about I guess totalitarianism and you know, politics is just the cover for all the like fucked up shit that you choose to do. And if there's anything that Oswald Cobblepot uh, enjoys doing is grabbing him by the pussy. I mean, he is literally mm, he is very horny. He is very horny. Very horny. He, going after Jan. I want to. I mean, no, no shade to Jan Hooks. She's beautiful. She's funny. She's hilarious. We love Jan Hooks. But he's just like, oh yeah that can on the on on that one it's like i want to fill her void like because he you're right you grab him by the pussy because he's like being a politician is all about reaching people touching people groping people yeah (laughs) yeah the there's a line where he's like you know the girl's like you are you are the the politician that young people you're such a cool role model for a young yeah Right, and he's like, "You're, you're the, you're the cute youth that all that all role models want." 
I was like, oh, okay. And everyone's just like, ah, oh, oh. <laughs> there's, there's a line with the penguin that it's like one of my favorite lines of the movie here. Let me find it. It's um, you're just jealous because I'm a genuine freak and you have to wear a mask. Like what a mm-hmm. fucking burn to Batman. <laughs> like, I mean, mic drop. Like, where do you Mike go from here? Drop. Seriously. I'm a genuine freak. I love, but I love the, like, just how bananas this whole, like, his hench people are a circus. There's a woman in a full, like, Native American headdress. headdress. Yeah. There's, like, the poodle lady, like, the fat clown, the, the clown. Like, oh my God. The poodle lady is a vibe. The oh, I, totally. I am here for the poodle, poodle so, lady. Okay. Poodle, poodle lady. <laughs> The poodle lady on the mic at the end of the movie. Doing- <laughs> yeah. So I th- good. I thought it was like a robot voice, like Austin Powers, until like I was just watching it. like, And I was like, oh, that's the poodle lady saying this shit. Like doing the countdown with that robotic like 10, 9. I was- <laughs> yeah. But then I also when, thing- when things go awry, she and like it ends. She turns into that Homer Simpson meme of him going into the bushes. She literally just like backs yeah. away. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah. She's yeah. like, she reminds me of every lesbian in a country band that lives in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know, I know so many women like her, and I'm like, yes, get it. Poodle she was lady. dope. Yeah, she really stuck out to me. I loved her. <laughs> just we like- need a whole thing about her. I know, right? Seriously. Like, that face, just like, stone face, no reaction to anything. Just like, hmm. I'm here. <laughs> I know, yeah. No, I love, oh, God, I wish. Uh, I wish. I was like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, many people, I feel like this uh, Halloween season, the famous show dog, uh, Precious? Precious from from, from, Silence, from of the Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs, yeah. She got everybody was giving her flowers this year because she's in she's in Silence of the Lamb, she's in the Burbs, so other things. A lot of people thought that that's her in Batman. Oh, Returns. it's not not precious. I don't no, think it is. It's too big. The face is different. They it's more to, like it's more like a poodle. I think they shape precious is a poodle. Was, Fresh, precious is a Bichon Frise. That dog yes. is not a Bichon Frise. That dog any, is not by any means up for well, debate. I'm glad you know that. I'm glad you know that. You heard it here first, everyone. You heard it here first. Hey, if, if we're wrong, not convinced, come and tell me. But I, re- I am dubious. No. So, anyhow, um, uh, yeah, love the circus. <laughs> um, before we 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 get to the start, let's let's just talk Max Shrek. <laughs> okay, so I come from the whole. Uh, hey, don't you remember Billy D. Williams was freaking Harvey Dent? Harvey Dent. Yes. In Batman '89, and you know the big the big gag that you found out, like in the early days of IMDb and all that, was like Max Shrek kind of grew from that was the original idea, the Two Face yeah. character that was originally going to be in this movie. Billy D is completely cut; he's essentially yeah. fired. He has the pay to play contract, so he's paid whether or not he's in the movie. So Billy D gets paid for being in this movie is not in the movie. Um, and we, now we get this Max Shrek character. 
Makes a lot of sense. How it ties into the original Sam Ham script, I don't know. Because now we now we're getting all this stuff about the original Sam Ham script. It doesn't really kind of tie into all that, but yeah. that's the Hollywood legend that's that's out there that I choose to believe. Um I love Billy hmm. D. Williams. I thought it was fucking cool as hell. Uh to me, I I'm not the biggest like hardcore purist when it comes to like this is from the comic, this is made up. So I don't mind that Max Shrek is a brand new character to this movie and mm-hmm. is not another villain because at this point we would have had three full on like scary monster villains. So to have Max Shrek be in there and it'd be kind of be this new character and to be named after the actor who's in Nosferatu. Yeah. It's named of, after the vampire. Kind of, yeah. And I mean, it's a very script devicey character that he gets the villains from point A to point B, but I don't really mind just because I think Walken's doing a pretty good job too. 100%. Yeah. I, Tim Burton, I guess almost didn't want to cast him because he found him to be too scary. Right. Yeah. It's that he is terrifying. He He is is a terrifying character. He he has an intensity in his eyes that really. Absolutely. Maybe I'm too San Francisco, but I was like, I found him to be the true villain of this film. Oh Yeah. Corporate. Oh yeah. 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 He's like the, the, yeah, he's the one. He's the architect of like everything that's going on. If it wasn't for him. Exactly. He is status quo. Right. Right. But it's, there's not. Oh, it's it's interesting what you said about, you know, Tim Burton, not kind of wanting to go in that direction because that very much harkens back to like Jack Nicholson in the shining. It's like, we, Mm -hmm. we we already been new. He crazy. Yeah. Like now it's supposed to be surprising that he's going to kill his family. You know, I, Stephen King was like, Jack Nicholson may not be the right choice for this, but you know, they went with it anyway. And so I think in the long run, it worked out because we get this crazy Christopher Walken performance, right? Um, that wig is insane. He has, yeah. he has as much contour in his eyebrows and his nose as Michelle Pfeiffer does as Selena Kyle. Yeah. He's wearing so much. Like eyeshadow and like it's so ridiculous, but it, yeah, and that the the actor that plays his son Chip, they did the uh-huh, same. Yeah. Thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you mean Donald Junior? Yeah. I like. I literally could not <laughs> like like yeah. stop seeing the Trump parallels it's, in this. And who's this actor? Was he a wrestler? He's a he's. I think it was a stunt guy. He's stunt a guy. Hudson yeah. Hall. Okay. He's in a bunch of things where he plays a big baddie but yeah the, the yeah the the don jr's situation with with chip it's it's wild i mean donald trump was a pretty big public figure when daniel waters would have been writing the script so i mean it's just like yeah trump quite i mean it's it's in the character just because he was yeah. so he was just such a big deal at the time well trump the only difference is just because he was in home alone too <laughs> that wasn't his breakout to fame <laughs> well i guess the only difference is uh, max actually cares about his son whereas trump <laughs> probably doesn't give two shits about don and well, the other one trump yeah. cares about his daughters yeah gross okay. <laughs> i know um all right let's talk about the diva herself uh, catwoman slay Selena, for real for 10 real. stars 10 stars like, <laughs> well no notes like, no, no. i i know now we're we all are so excited and now that we're actually asked to talk about her we're just like uh what is there to say she's perfect like i mean she's, i mean <laughs> especially that this is a type of cat woman that we have a lot of 
we have a lot of Catwoman now to choose from than they yeah. had in 92 when Michelle was cast. And what's so cool about this version of Catwoman is that you really can't compare her to anything anyone else has ever done. Like, I mean, this is this is a character that they created for Batman Returns. And I kind of wonder now how an audience would respond to how would these Internet fanboys respond to a character like this? Because they're not drawing, they're not drawing from the comics at all. Like Selena in the comics is I mean, this is created for Batman piece. Returns. And I feel like now certain audience members probably would have a problem with it just because it's so much a creation of the script that it's not drawing on anything. Yeah. But I mean, but it's drawing on like real life at least. And like her being, her being a woman in that field. And like, I work in tech and I work in a lot of these, like I've been in a lot of these meetings where it's, there's a lot of like high powered people. And I've had a lot of, mainly men and seeing women when they try to speak up in boardrooms and like seeing, seeing a lot of this and even the term executive assistant versus yeah. secretary that is yeah. played multiple times. You today would never in a million fucking years, uh, use the term secretary and having, you know, all the EAs that I've ever worked with, I've been colleagues with, they fucking run the show. And like, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's so true. And like, I would have loved to learn more of her backstory and kind of like what she had, she'd wanted to do in life. I have a backstory in my head. <laughs> so I think that when you look at the character of Selena, that how do you end up being Max Shrek's executive assistant, executive assistant. I love how Michelle says that. Maybe she went to fashion school and she wanted to be a clothing yeah, designer. Yeah. And she kind of thinks like, well, how do I how do I get there? Like I still have to pay my rent in this cute Gotham apartment that I would live in like tomorrow. I'm I, not mad at her. Apartment. I am not mad at her apartment. I think it's awesome. I have that's that what I was in my saying. notes too. <laughs> no, I that, that's what I was saying. I was like, I think if I think today people would be like the life before yeah. Girl, she is independent. She lives by herself. She is she lives with her cat in the nice apartment. I fuck it. That is aspirational what she has. Although right? in, in 2023, that apartment's what, 3500 <laughs> Probably. Uh, I think at like, least. <laughs> well, if you're comparing Gotham City to San Francisco, which I think probably a lot of people do nowadays, yeah. but that's Pablo yeah. actually texted me earlier today uh saying, because <laughs> I have a cat. <laughs> and Pablo was like, "You are Selena Kyle. You you're independent. You have a one bedroom with a cat." Yeah. No. And uh, her apartment is fucking cute. I've been to many people with an apartment like decorated like that. I mean, like, hello there, right? Like all of it. She's she's sassy. It's just you know, in a '90s way, we 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 have to tie her existence to a man, right? Mm-hmm. Scott, I love your headcanon on this because it also explains how she puts the cat suit together. And And we always marvel at the nails of that. I think that when you're a kid, like you remember the nails differently. Like you think of them more like fingernails, like crazy. You look at like, I mean, you don't even get a good close up of the nails. They're seam rippers of that. Mm -hmm. If you got stabbed with those, that would fuck you up. That would suck. She cuts that, that guy's face up. Suck. Yep. Yeah. Hardcore. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of think of her as an aspiring fashion designer that she gets a job being Max Shrek's 
assistant and the dream just kind of died. But I think it's interesting that again, with our 2023 lens, we look at this apartment that all four of us homos are like cute work. You know, she's got her like, a good, a decent job. She's able to sustain herself. But in 1992, it's like it would have been seen as sad. How sad! Yeah. This sister yeah. is just like wasting her life away without a man in this tiny I, apartment alone. But it's like I know plenty of women who are just like I don't want no man in my house. Get out. Right. Well, she kind of reminded me in a weird way, the way that we talked about the Miranda character of Sex in the City, where no one wanted to be Miranda, and then now we're like. Oh, fuck. Miranda was the fucking best. She Independent. <laughs> She's the one who called the shots. She fucking was like in Brooklyn and made it cool. Like, holy shit. We were the fuck. We wanted to be a Carrie. That bitch was crazy. No, it's all like, that's how I feel like the Selena character is. Right. See, in my head canon, like the way I see it is like, if she were to be now, we were to write her for this character. She went to fashion school, but she also had an OnlyFans, but then was like, you know, and then Max founder on OnlyFans was like, actually, I need an executive assistant that looks as good as you. <laughs> she gets there and she's like, ugh, I hate you. So the whole entire time she's like, what? And then he pushes <laughs> her out of her window. <laughs> she's like, what do you want now, stupid ass? <laughs> so, and what I like about her character, being a cat owner myself um, and watching a lot of cat <laughs> videos, I find her character to be like, even before her transformation, like the entire movie, she is different aspects of a cat. Like just, I have yeah. a cat who yeah. is never, I've never heard this little pussy hiss. Like he is the most like meek, friendly, like, like, like stupid, but like friendly and like curious kind of cat. And she's very much like that. She's very sweet. She's very kind of, you know, a little all over the place, clumsy. And, mm-hmm. and then, she, but then she's also a different side of a cat later. She's slinky. She's cunning. And she's cunning when she's still a secretary because of what she, what ultimately ends up getting her pushed out that window. Yeah. But she's very like pushing, um, you know, th- throughout the whole, like all the different spectrums of, of a cat. Absolutely. There's there's a scene of her and Bruce on the couch in, in the manor. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most explicit of that, like, I'm going to physically act like a cat. They're sitting across from each other on the couch, and then all of a sudden she just lunges at him. Like, with no, like, warning, with no, like, she doesn't, like, like set herself up. She just goes from sitting straight to a jump into Bruce to mm-hmm. make out with him. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's a cat move. And I feel like that was Michelle going, I'm going to move as cat like as I can in certain in certain, you know, scenes or whatever. Um yeah, I mean all that shit is brilliant. Um I yeah, her I it's so difficult now to kind of imagine this universe that Annette Benning did get to play this character. Yeah, you know, and what she could have brought. And Annette Benning is a fucking phenomenal actress mm-hmm. yeah. great right um and so she could have you know brought maybe something completely different but just what what we get with michelle is just like i don't know it's in the the blonde hair and the the all these ideas from tim of this stitched together outfit yeah and it just and you see breaking it apart. and you see it breaking apart yeah. in each scene of the movie when she has it on and her hair coming out of it and just and 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 selena 
going more and more crazy, right? There's this supernatural element to her kind of coming back to life, right? Yeah. It's there. You know, we don't think too much about it. It is what it is. She fell out of a 50-story window, and these cats nibble her back to life, whatever. (laughs) I don't think think that she actually – I think that – the awnings breaking her fall, the very intentional watching her break through the awnings. I actually don't think that I think she was like on the, my head cannon. She's on the brink. No, absolutely. Because there's also the whole like nine Uh, thing, but some of those deaths that she has, I'm like, I don't know Would that have killed her. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is like if you fall 50 stories and you don't even, break a bone <laughs> yeah. and like, you're laying I'm, there with a bob fossey leg out <laughs> and she's still like pouting like you know like I, she look, I mean i was like okay get it girl but uh, you know i i'm kind of with you peter pete on this that uh, there is a you know because when, when she comes back home she looks kind of like a zombie right like and you know as someone who's yeah. studied necrophilia intensely like I think I can talk about what dead people are. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but like, she, you know, and then she's all like, you, you know, like kind of like moving like a really angry cat or whatever. Then she finally gets her color back. But yeah, she would have fucking like, have you ever like dropped a water balloon <laughs> from like two stories? Now you imagine from something else, you would have like popped, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. um, but, th- but this scene though, this iconic fucking scene when she yeah. gets back to the apartment and the Danny Elfman score is just swelling and yeah. she breaks the neon and and she spray paints the the kitten sweater all that shit and there's these close ups of her face and now she has the contoured eyebrow to give mm-hmm. her this like ghastly look this scene set up villain origin story scenes in every previous well the 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 schumacher movies at least you know we get it with we get it with uh poison ivy we get it with 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 Mm -hmm. yeah um no i meant uh, the riddler the riddler yeah they all get these these grandiose kind of scenes of them kind of like losing it and becoming this this villain character but here it's just like the way she just like let's lose and i'm thinking it as we're watching it and then we i kind of hear tim burton say it later in the commentary this has to be like one take. She is destroying. Yeah, she's this apartment. destroying that apartment. I'm like, are they yeah. resetting all this? She's breaking the dollhouse. She's like throwing shit everywhere, like breaking mirrors, she's like, putting the poor sock monkey in the in the garbage disposal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I love. I I love that though, just because it's her like shredding her innocence and her being like, "What are you doing?" Also, the whole time though her door is open. So I just want to imagine some neighbor walking by and being like, the hell are you doing? Selena, are you okay? <laughs> um, right in there. <laughs> did he call you an appendage again? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That fucking appendage. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That- she, she, at the beginning, she was a little too like one. Cause I was like, everything about this is so great, but like, it's hard to believe that like, anybody like you really have to like put you know like pause your belief you know you know uh to be like okay nobody wants to date her and she's so like she reminds me of, like those 13 year old girls that are just kind of emo and they're like guys don't like me i just want to 
boyfriend. Why doesn't anyone ever want to date me? But like, that's all they can talk about. Uh, and yeah. I was like, okay, girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I just hope that that jacket that she made her costume out of was that had to be like a floor length duster. Yeah. Cause like that, I've always wondered that. Cause that like when she pulls out like crop, it's like, is that a crop top? <laughs> because there's a lot of fabric. She, I mean, she projects the runway out of that she, out of that suit. Yeah, she made gloves. This she made the whole fucking like the workroom mini challenge, and yeah. she came up with that. Yeah. Well, well, half the leg is the boot, and then you got a corset going on. So there maybe there's some like some illusion going on with it. But you know, oh, my my question is this: like, this is what I would like to know. Um, did she always know how to whip? <laughs> like, right. is, right. is, is you know, or or like. You know, did and and do and like walk away by doing continuous backflips, <laughs> or like what? Because like she she goes from like you know, barely being able to do a lot of things, just like uh, mm-hmm. just you know, she's like a really depressed Tina Belcher, uh, to <laughs> essentially like fucking you know, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer and Catwoman as Catwoman, <laughs> like she's this like absolutely. Yeah, it, again, it is it cat power? Is, is it cat, I, I was gonna say, as a catnip, <laughs> as a cat owner, I've seen the cats that I've owned throughout my life do some weird, fucking, almost supernatural type movements. So I think they transferred that cat energy Absolutely. into yes, into her. We have um, we have three cats ourselves, you, and they usually so. come out for the calls. They're all <laughs> yeah. sleeping right now, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's that time of day that they're. They're not paying attention to us, but as soon as we're done, they're just going to be up in our grill and for the rest of the night. So, mine is sleeping under my Christmas tree as long as he's not destroying it. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's I'm a, that's fine a with that spot as well. So, but yeah, you're right. You're right. There's some there's some acrobatics that they can pull off it. And again, I think it's just one of those things that you're just as an audience, you're just supposed to suspend your disbelief and just say, "Yes, the whip, sure." <laughs> now. now She's a fucking dynamo with the whip. I, and mm-hmm. I'm here for it. I, yeah. It's, uh. we, I mean, we, no, she's we, fucking impressive. Yeah. Girl yeah. power. Awesome. <laughs> Girl power. All right. Cool. So let's let's go. I Let's breeze through some of the plot. Like we, we typically do like a scene by scene, but we've touched on so many of the major yeah. points. But let's just kind of quickly, we can kind of uh, talk through this. You know, we've, uh, you know, obviously the film opens up with, that is the iconic scene. And I, uh, as you all were talking about, like watching the cobble pots, look at each other for me, one of the most heartbreaking scenes in hard to watch scenes is that scene with the penguin and the cat comes up to it as a child <laughs> that terrified me hearing him yep. attack that cat. Oh yeah. Mm. Pulling it through mm-hmm. the bars. We also get, you know, again, 33 years later, we have this Christmas tree lighting <laughs> and meeting meeting Max and in and, you know, obviously when we first meet Selena Kyle again, as I talked about, you know, working in tech, these boardrooms, it's interesting because Selena actually does something that you're supposed to do when you're maybe a junior member of the team. A good recommendation and kind of general thing is when you have an idea to bring to the table is to actually frame it in the form of a question. Mm-hmm. And I uh, and I just like seeing her be like 
beat down every fucking step of the way just like drives me absolutely crazy. We go to the tree lighting ceremony where Max is going to give a speech and it just pisses me off so much that she's like, I forgot to give him his speech. And that ends up being a whole, a whole fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you remember the speech? It's your speech. (laughs) (laughs) He pats his jacket too, being like, oh, wait. Well, she does his dry cleaning, so she should have put the speech in there. Um, Way to victim blame. Correctly. I think that we have all been very remiss in leaving out the ice miss Christy. The ice princess. We we love we love the Gotham ice princess. (laughs) Yeah, she's hella fun. (laughs) I kind of want more of her. I I I was. She was the one person. I mean. A lot of people don't like die, but like when she died, I was like, oh, that fucking sucks. Right. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's hard that was when you see her yeah. follow our death. Yeah. I mean, like, this yeah. is a likable character from what we've seen as the audience. So yeah. likable. She reminds me of like a, our modern day social, imp- like social media influencers. <laughs> she would totally grow up to be on the Real Housewives of Gotham. Oh, she would. Yeah, she was like, I was, you all know me as the former Ice Princess, right? Ice She's Princess like, in 1992. Right. <laughs> I may be an Ice Princess, but this pussy is warm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this pussy's on fire. <laughs> yeah, like, that. you know, she'll Her totally do that. Yeah. Um, I also want to bring up, uh, you talked a little bit about the um, the boardroom scenes, the architecture in Max Shrek's boardroom, and how oppressive this fucking space is. This staircase that's a hole in the ground. Yeah, no else. <laughs> There's no railing. Uh, this uh. this circular boardroom that's like Bruce has to throw documents <laughs> across the void to like reach that, back. That so was so cool. wild just to see that yeah. and like hear the paper fluttering. I was like, what a yeah. what an interesting touch. I just love how brutalist like this this boardroom is, you know, it just kind of shows Max and like the the you know how very Donald Trump it is and just how grandiose and how stupid well, this this yeah. boardroom is. Well, but it's really what Max would would call for. So far everything about Gotham is really like like you're you're essentially drowning in like shadows and concrete. Yeah. Right. Like everything is just swallows you yeah. up. It reminds me of like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari in a sense. Yeah. Right. Except for when they try to get him to run for mayor and they go to like the office of the office. Where I was like, yeah. what? Like it just seemed so out of. I was like, okay, this is very yeah. well lit cubicles. Yeah. <laughs> exposition that the penguins layer like his like his uh i mean it's i mean his his layer is like the the arctic land but when they have like pick up the show it's above like a corporate office i kind of like that image of like going from this dark this dark brooding space of like german expressivism and then all of a sudden you're walking down the stairs and it's it's the office yeah Yeah, right (laughs) seriously it's it is funny i love it is Um, but then we get to the circus crew or the, what, what do we call? Like I, I wrote circus crew in my notes. What are we kind of calling gang, right? Circus gang. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so they show up and attack Gotham and it, this scene is just so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, like I love the giant present that rolls out and just things just go completely 
batshit. And the fire breather was one that always stuck out to me as like a little kid. I just always loved that in the little slinky uh, devil outfit mm-hmm. and just like blowing. That was so by. sexy. I and when Batman shows up, I I don't know why I just interpret it as so petty that he has his car and his car full on just goes up on hydraulics and turns around and like yeah. I want I want to react that way to when people say certain things to me at work <laughs> just like mm-hmm. I'm gonna turn <laughs> that was like the car's version of like an eye roll like uh, <laughs> and then just go but I mean you know ca- canonically the Batman character there's a whole thing about how, you know, up front the Batman characters is that he doesn't kill people. No. Right? Yeah. He's he's out for justice and he brings these people to justice, takes them to jail. He is out in these streets killing some motherfuckers. Oh, he's lighting he's lighting he's lighting clowns oh, yeah. on fire. He lit oh, that he blows up that clown up, too. He blew that clown up dynamite in his pants. Yeah. This is the yeah. devil guy gets like uh, gets lit on fire yeah, by the come on by the Batmobile. Yeah, but hey, but are. hey, he saved the city millions of dollars in property damage. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> that, when he says that line earlier uh, or later, <laughs> as Bruce Wayne talking about yeah. Batman, I'm like, you privileged motherfucker. Also, you're delusional because you've also caused millions of dollars in property damage yourself. The level of delusion. (laughs) And then I, but yeah, and then we also, this is when we finally meet the penguin. I love this scene of when Shrek and the penguin first meet. And when he's he's taking everything out of the sock, it's so good. Out of the sock. I, (laughs) the, I, and it just, Watching this again as an adult, I was just so enthralled by this scene, seeing the toxic waste, the shredded up papers, and like now just as an adult, just seeing all the different layers and mm-hmm. how intelligent. Prop like, comedy. We love yeah. it. We love a good prop. We love it. Yep. And and, he, he, and he's the carrot top of villains. We love it. But and then just he's like, how's your, I, how's your business partner? How's your business partner? So good. <laughs> Pulls out that fucking hand and is like, "Ooh, here he is." Yeah, and there's just hand. and there's just something about the foley of that hand when it's shaking. That's so yeah, good. Mm-hmm. And he shakes Max's hand to seal the deal, and Max <laughs> is then just left holding this fucking <laughs> severed. Yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah. I mean, Max is also he's super smart. He finds he's slippery like a seal, and immediately find he learns about the. The penguin's background and immediately figures out how to exploit him in that. I we've already talked a, a bit about Selena's apartment, but you know she goes home for so many times in my twenties. I did enter my own apartment, <laughs> saying, "Honey, I'm home. Um, I forgot. I'm not married." <laughs> I mean, there's something so clever about how this scene is written and directed that they're both like they mirror each other. Of when she comes home, and it's like they're edited the same way. You get the whole mm-hmm. answering machine, and that's so clever, and it's so cinematic, and it's so mm-hmm. satisfying to watch when she does tear that apartment. Like when she does, like uh, lose her shit. It's just like those two scenes like mirror each other. That's so clever. I, I've always loved that. Do we know if this character was supposed to be married before? Like if the if, if he's no. like a I just or something. 
I never interpreted her as div- divorcee. I inter- how how old is she supposed to be in this? Would you say twenty five? Movie age, probably early twenty. That's like movie age, yeah, though. Yeah. yeah, she's she's supposed to be sixteen. <laughs> well, and like played by a thirty nine year old. <laughs> and you can tell she's like from Ohio. Her mom is overbearing. She's like, "It's your mother. Why haven't you called me back?" And it. And she's dating. I always interpret it as she's supposed to be like mid twenties. Yeah. And it's just it's so funny how we all used to use answering machines and that she calls herself to remind herself that she needs to go back to the office. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that I've ever known anybody that's done that. I've only seen it in this movie. I'm sure that people did do it though. And then she returns back to Shrek's office uh to prepare for this Bruce Wayne meeting and it, again, this is her like cat behavior she's gone through and she's discovered all of these files uh, leading to show that Max is up to uh, trying to harness all, all of Gotham's power. And I'm sure we all know this, but just that that image of her when she's explaining some of this to him and the shadow is casting yeah. off of her glasses and it's creating cat eyes over her face is just so it's all these like little touches mm-hmm. that are just so fucking brilliant. Yeah. I love it. I, I like, I have memories of seeing that in the theater and just being like, Oh, it looks like her mask. Like that's so fucking cool. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Wait, we have our cat. We have our cat. I know. Pack. I was noticing yeah. what's the Aww. name of that cat. It's Elfie. Oh, cute. Cute. And what are your other two cats? Uh, uh, Elfie's here. He's our oldest. He's 12. Um, his sister Bianca is around here somewhere. She's the lady. She's the lady. She's, uh, more long hair. And then we have the ginger cat named Thor. Yeah. And he's the baby, but he's actually nine. Yeah. But he's the baby. Oh, and, and <laughs> Thor's a little weirdo. Yep. And yeah, he's yeah. a ginger cat, like house down boots. Weirdo. Um, yeah, well, I, I I love it. Um, but let's keep talking about cat. Like we're talking about cat. Let's keep talking about Catwoman. You know, one of the things that I think I find a little more compelling is kind of her journey. Like we kind of see her save this woman who's about to be sexually assaulted, and she mm-hmm. fucks that guy up. But then she kind of gets mad at the woman too, yeah. and she tells her. Uh, I, essentially, she blames her. Right. So that was kind of an interesting. I, I don't know. I I think they're trying to make her also not be as much of like a good person, right? Because it's yeah. it's 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 Batman who 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 uh, who punishes villains, but she's also punishing people, right? right? And I, I guess ultimately we come to find out it's really her. Just you know, her motivation isn't justice. Her motivation is vengeance. So she's getting mad for the at the people who are also being victimized. Um, and then you know the next. What were we going to say? It's an interesting kind of like borderline problematic uh, critique on like feminism. Right. Almost of like she's like she's defending other women, but then at the same time turning to another woman and being like, what are you doing? So it's like aggressive, like borderline yeah. problematic. New well, it's also like <laughs> how men write women, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's like, very like, true. We <laughs> can't take that out of like context. Right, like she's not being written by like a, you know, Diane Feinstein or whatever, or Rosie <laughs> you know, O'Donnell. She's being written by a man. <laughs> uh, but that's what kind of makes 
Catwoman, Selena Kyle kind of compelling as a character yes. in, the, in the long run is because she's an anti-hero, right? In every yeah. in every version and every incarnation that we've had, Anne Hathaway, Zoe Kravitz, they're they're anti-heroes, right? They are villains to an extent, um, but they're also not completely irredeemable right we still root for them as mm-hmm. the audience we still love when they team up with batman we want them to kind of team up with batman we love it when they kind of like stomp on dudes nuts like they're not doing that like literally but like they're they're out there be like being badass but um they're still in the, at the end of the day they're still a jewel thief or yeah. they're yeah. still you know mm-hmm. um they're still they're kind of for themselves, themselves. right mm-hmm. a vigilante Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> buy me a coke <laughs> buy me some coke um for sure uh no and and you know because then the next time we see her she's just like going through and creating havoc right she's like yeah. going through these jewels and like in the store and going through all that stuff and whipping heads off mannequins and so we're seeing that there's a little bit of like a rogueness yeah to this, like, her right this, this chaos agent exactly mm-hmm. and then what what do we get we get two uh guards who still sexualize her yes. right yeah. here yeah. is this man her boss who essentially like is like well she makes good coffee right he like dismisses her as like this person with agency and is like you are my servant you give get me whatever i want you ask too many questions you know, like you're supposed to be like seen and not heard. Boom, you're dead, right? And then now you get these guards who are like, "Oh, I don't know if I, you know, want to oh, shoot her or fall in love." love. Yeah, yeah. And she's still like, "Fuck you," you know. And I love that they hit the road. <laughs> yeah. Well, they he says like, uh, uh, "You know, I've got to make my pension or my or something like or that." No, goes, I'm I'm paid. Our our take home is less than three hundred, and she's like, "You're overpaid. You're overpaid, <laughs> right?" Yes. And I was like, "Fuck yeah, that's that's great." Um, and we see these like parallels. At least this is what I saw with her, right? Because as she is now, you know, she's back to life. She reintroduces herself to Max Shrek. Like, haha, I'm not dead. You know, she comes into the office. She talks to Bruce Wayne, and she starts the like seduction game with Bruce Wayne. Um, there's also a bit of like he's not like necessarily like listening to her. She's trying to like figure stuff out. I know later on, some there, there's something that happens later on that really stood out to me is like. Bruce Wayne is like another man that is just kind of fucking right. her over because um, uh, when they find out, you know, like they fight, they do all these things as Catwoman and Batman. She tries to team up with the Penguin and he is just essentially like, if you're not going to let me fuck you, like you're dead to me. Yeah. You know, like I'll I'll do what you want me to do, but I'm I'm fucking you. And she was like, no, I, w- I wouldn't even fucking touch you like, oh, you know, and that's you. Exactly. So she he tries to kill her. And then, you know, like when they're at that awesome masquerade party, which, by the way, I was like, oh, I need to pause this. Like, I need to make some of those costumes like the Mona Lisa. It took me to figure out. I think it took me until a couple years ago. It's in the middle of the department store. Yeah, I thought that was so weird. But I was like, okay, so is this like a holiday party? (laughs) Also, also, it's a party where we're supposed to assume all parents of children are attending yeah like in hocus pocus <laughs> yeah i was like okay and i immediately yeah i'll get to like the penguin a little bit of like doing all that stuff but um when selena is dancing and they realize the like the mistletoe quote that they both say and who they were she like wants to kill you know her boss 
Yeah. And and she's like obviously like in distress. Like you can see like Michelle Pfeiffer does a good job playing it. Like uh, she's like crazy. She wants to kill him. And yeah. she says he doesn't deserve to get away with everything that he does. He doesn't deserve to live. He needs he yep. can't keep climbing to the top. He needs to be six feet under. And he just goes, It's not going to solve your problems. Instead of being like, wait, what did he do to you? Like this yeah. sounds like you're a victim of something, but I'm yeah. not interested in figuring you yeah. out. And he so fucking like, says, Fuck who them. do you think you are? Yes. Like, yeah. And that's yes. so insulting. <laughs> yeah. What? And, yeah. Like, well, who the fuck do you think you are? You're not a cop either. Like, you're just some guy, right? Exactly. I, say, this scene is so amazing for so many reasons. First of all, Susie and the Banshees. Love that song. Right? Yes. Happening. This is. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. So fucking cool. Second of all, it's a masquerade ball. Everyone in this party is in a mask except for Bruce. Except for the except for the and superheroes. When my sister, yep. my 17-year-old sister pointed that out to me when we, when we were driving home, I was like, you're the smartest Mind blown. on earth. Yeah. It, I uh, said that to my husband. I was like, okay, these are the only ones. And I love that Mac Trek is like, so what's your mask supposed to be? Like yeah. uh, a trust a spoiled trust fund kid or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. Right, Serve uh, cunt Max. In uh in the Nolan Batman there's a scene at a charity ball with Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. But she is wearing a mask in that. Yeah. He's wearing yeah. like a, a really cool, like lacy mask. That it's mirrors. cute. Yeah. It's, it's cute. It's interesting that they kind of do this, you know, mirrored scene of Batman returns, but yeah. they kind of took a little different angle with it. But yeah, I think Michelle is fucking serving it up in I mean, this scene. I mean that face just she, Michelle. Just she's going just going it's back and forth. She's laughing. Hair, she's crying. She's got she's got the gun in her garter. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. She's delivering boner jokes. Yeah. Like that oh, also was another thing that's... I watched. I'm like, why? Like my parents like were just totally letting three year old gay little Paul watch this and like no no hard feelings. Well, semi-hard. Semi-hard. Or when, or when the Penguin's like, oh, there's my favorite pussy or something like that. I was like, they they made McDonald's toys from this? She tells him there's a great big California king over in betting. Let's go. Let's, let's leave this party and go, go over fuck. And fuck. Like, <laughs> oh. Right. Again, another cat behavior. She's a cat in heat. All we need is her bent over going. Wah. I want to. <laughs> she should. No, she should peg him like. Take, uh, take ownership of it. Take ownership, yeah. girl. Oh, Bruce Wayne. Of course, he's into some weird. You know, he's he's into some booty play. Like, oh, booty I on him. I think he has the most. I think he just lies there and looks at his watch. Uh, I I've always <laughs> really I've always really liked that line that Selena says to him. It's the so-called normal guys who always let you down. Sickos never scare me. At least they're committed. Sickos. Oh, it's so oh. good. That's cute. That's and again, she's referring to Ted Bundy. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Like she likes the bad boy. I mean, we all do, right? Like we all uh, we all love Selena, but also she is your friend that you're like, okay, like maybe (laughs) maybe you should cool it. Yeah. Just envisioning Michelle like being in her trailer with her highlighter highlighting her script, just being like, will you believe this shit? Of like when she's like running her fucking lines, Daniel like fucking Daniel Waters, like we're yeah. getting with this. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton have such good fucking chemistry. Like, yeah. like, like they they date in the eighties, apparently. And, oh, yes, and that because she was up for Vicky Vale 
and he yep. didn't want her yeah to get cast because of that ah interesting but interesting. their fight scene like all of their fight scenes like i like it's all so good and they're back and forth in like in costumes and out of costumes yeah. but like the 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 fight scenes in particular and just the like because you have to ask yourself like Batman, like you're supposed to know that this is a villain, but you're totally letting your guard down, even if for just like half a second for her to rub your abs and then stab you in it. Yeah. 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 The, the whole, like, how could you, I'm a woman. Ah, yeah. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) I was like, yes, use, I do it all the time. People disagree with me and I'm like, really? I'm a person of color. Do you really want to to me? Though I knew I was wrong like 10 minutes before they even said anything. (laughs) And also we get the famous life's a bitch. Now. So am I. (laughs) Yeah. Shit. So good. But I do love this like version of her and how they play her off, right? Like she she really like comes into her own, but she it's it's like this really awesome, like, oh, we're seeing her get empowered, and then she kind of goes off the rails a little bit, and then she's you know, she's 90s, like yo, women get caught up in their emotions, right? right? And it's like, well, no, she's she it sounds like I mean, if someone fucking, you know, threw you out of a 50 50th, you know floor uh i'd have some ptsd too <laughs> like, I, mean, I mean she's not wrong i mean killing max shrek would solve a lot solve of problems everything everything she, she is the only character though that accomplishes what she sets out to do true yep. yeah yep yeah <laughs> but it's yeah it's that thing of just like i feel like in these superhero movies there's these big elaborate schemes with these super villains and and i i just think of of uh scott evil just like i have a gun i have a gun have in a my gun room gun right now room. all yeah. we need to do is shoot this motherfucker <laughs> and, this and then we're good but a bim bada boom we good um but as this happened you touched on this earlier i i do think that this so the penguin gets disgraced right he like he's 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 talking like a little bit earlier he's talking about you know he he's talking about his bid for being a mayor and all mm-hmm. this shit. Right. And you know, we like it, it plays over what he said, right. He's disgraced. He gets booed off and stuff thrown at him. And he goes into the sewer and comes up with this plot to kidnap all the firstborn sons of Gotham. So Gotham is supposed to be a humongous fucking city, right? Yeah. I, is, I, is I, all of everybody in the chamber of commerce. But Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just the, the like the wealthy, because when Batman does his little when he's cruising, when Batman's cruising and he goes by the town records place, uh, that's what Oswald's doing is that he's he's writing his little notes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's planning it ahead of time. He is. Which you have to you have to respect him. That is a tedious thing to go through physical paperwork and mm-hmm. write stuff down with a quill. And that is <laughs> yeah. that is I'm, some admirable like (laughs) that kind of plays into the very tim burton like there's people in fedoras and women have like muffs and there's suits but also there's like cd players and you know like right like everyone's at like there's newsies and everyone looks like they're from the fucking 40s but then also you're right (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so uh 
but that's just part of the charm. Whatever. It's a, it's neither here nor there. You're just like it's it's Tim Burton. Did you guys <laughs> notice early appearance from Gotham Gertie? If you're a big Joel Schumacher fan, <laughs> not Gotham. The the actress that plays Gotham Gertie in Forever and Batman and Robin. Uh, she, I think that she's reading the paper about yeah. uh, Penguin. They she becomes like a gossip columnist. She becomes the... a gossip columnist, and oh, she, she she was married to Bob Kane, who yeah. created Batman. Yeah, and they just Ooh. kind of and these little character bits for his wife at the time. But anyways, I love the character. Oh, I, is she the one she says she's reading the like headlines of it? Like, Oh, I'm blanking on what the line uh, is. Yeah. yeah, He went from a something to a prince from a frog to a prince. From a frog to a prince. Okay. Oh my God. Yes. Heavily featured in forever. And yeah, yeah, that's cute. That's cute. Um, but yeah, like that was something I found really interesting, right? Because I was like, they only kidnap like 12 kids. There's only yeah. 12 firstborn boys in all of Gotham. Batman boys. foils some of Penguin's plans laughably easily. Like also the he goes easiest. and he stops this like this little parade of what's supposed to be probably about a hundred thousand children, but it's right. twelve. And then also, we're supposed to believe that the Batmobile is indestructible or whatever he takes his fist and he's able to punch a hole through the bottom of the the floorboards and reach and grab this transmitter i which that is also such a fun fucking scene and like yeah the 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 batmobile is when the whole other conversation circus goons make him a mini version of the batmobile that you would find out in front of like it's so funny Yep, he had that. Was he, that. And it also, says like Batman ride. It says Bat Ride or something like with a little coin dispenser right next so to cute. it. Adorable. It's shit that they aren't doing in the new movies. <laughs> no. It's like no. no, no one has a sense it of is, humor anymore. I I will say also like you know yes I was like wow the Batmobile is like really flimsy holy shit but so is his costume because he's like. He just like rips it off, like rips the mask off, like real easy. And he's like, it's me. And she's like, oh, Bruce. But I was like, what? That is like the easy. What? That comes off so easy. She's I wanted dead. Alfred back there going, fuck, he ruined another one. Like- yeah. <laughs> he, how long it takes me to injection mold these costumes. When he, I know. That, when he goes through that alley, like he ruins the entire Batmobile. That Alfred has to build that shit from scratch when he turns it into the again big, the big also deal. i i do love that alfred essentially has like you know chemical engineering fashion yeah. design electrical <laughs> engineering all <laughs> hardware engineer all yeah. these like different you know software yeah. everything dj skills he's got everything and he's just his butler okay yeah. bitch oh, okay bitch <laughs> come on let's get yeah. this guy's like nine phds have you seen uh, any of the Hammer movies with Michael Goth? Because he was very handsome. Uh, I have a long time ago, and you're very right. Handsome. Yeah, yeah, could totally see it. Um, I do find the the fight scene that is essentially the three of them. Right, it's Max Shrek, yeah, Batman, and Selena. Because I think it gives a lot of Selena. We really do, you know, her hair's all fucked up. Mm-hmm. We really see that she is now just completely motivated by vengeance. I don't, I looking at it from this lens, I'm like, 
just let her have it. She fucking deserves it. Yeah, right? Like, people inconvenience me, and I'm ready to, like, fucking shoot them. Like, she really deserves this, right? They got him. They fucking got cut me in line at Trader Joe's. <laughs> me and you, Scott. We're going after them. Yeah. Um, but f- for real, like, Batman just is, does not really give it to her. But she fucking, she, she, she takes a bigger beating than fucking Batman, and she still kills the bitch. She still electrocutes that dude like with the callback to her stun gun, which I love. Yeah. Yes. I'm, like, so great. There's also there's also that line from Selena of I would love to live with you in your castle forever, just like in a fairy tale. And then she like puts the button on that scene of I just yeah. couldn't live with myself. So don't pretend like this is a happy ending. Yep. So good. Yep. It was great. <laughs> She really took she really took control of her life there, right? She knew yeah. what she was doing the entire time. Yeah. I just think for like the purposes of like a screenplay and writing a movie in the United States, it's like the whole thing of just like once you murder somebody, there's no going back from that, right? Yeah. So Bruce is constantly like you can't kill him, you can't kill him, you have to bring him to justice, right? This is the very like you know, uh revenge of the sith kind of like this is going to be your final straw but um you know we get that we get that 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 scene is so amazing we get that really cool like electrocution like scene going on but you know the 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 legend is that like tim burton and and daniel waters were like and then she dies yeah right but you know studio was just like nope that's a little yep. too much for us. Yeah, gotta bring, her, gotta, gotta bring her back. She got, she's got to be alive. We we need to be able to possibly have a sequel, have a spinoff, have a Catwoman standalone movie. Mm-hmm. So we, and that's why in the in the Joel Schumacher movies, like none of the villains die right at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To to like say that they they're might all, be back. They're all yeah. Yeah. like Arkham Asylum. Or, yeah. Arkham Michelle Asylum. Pfeiffer did say that she would play Catwoman again one day. I do want them to bring well, her back. And, well, there's that uh, there's that script that was going around that Daniel Waters made because that was the idea is that they were going to give Michelle a standalone Catwoman movie. Probably in the grand scheme of the timeline, it would have been released after Batman Forever, and then Daniel Waters handed in this batshit script that would have been too expensive and they killed it mm. like originally it was supposed to be kind of a small movie probably like a like a, a medium budget studio movie that they could make cheaply and then make a big profit and the script that he handed in was just too crazy and they killed it and then we got that abortion of a movie with Halle Berry <laughs> that <laughs> Stoney is kind of fearsome though if you <laughs> CEO of Baleen. Mm-hmm. You know, Baleen. <laughs> I, to this day, I always like tell my husband whenever we go through like Bloomingdale's, I'm like, oh, do they have Baleen? <laughs> okay. So much, it'll turn you to porcelain. I was going to say, in oh, shit. Camp, <laughs> that that is the villain played by Sharon Stone. Her master plan is to like cosmetics. Cosmetics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna like turn women's skin into like essentially like porcelain and glass, like marble. Wild, yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I do think that if they do bring, uh, I do think they should bring these characters back, played by the same people, and I think they should go to 
they sh- they should take everyone to justice and it's like just a 30 minute episode of judy justice the new judge judy oh show no. sure <laughs> i would be like yes judge to- judy is a superhero <laughs> in the batman <laughs> DC universe judge judy reading max shrek to sh- like the filth <laughs> Yes! Yes! And Judy Justice. That's the justice that we need in Gotham. Judy Justice. Now, out of curiosity, did any of you see the new Flash movie? Because, like, I I mean, they bring Michael Keaton back. I assumed that it was going to be a very quick cameo, but Michael Keaton as Batman is in a major supporting player, and they recreate Wayne Manor in it. Oh, damn. Uh, No. Just because I might have to now. Yeah, we'll I mean, have to check it out. Very complicated movie, understandable if you did not yeah. watch it, but the Michael Keaton scenes are the best parts of it. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, we already, we'll we already brought him back. He did this whole thing. So I mean, why not? We got to. You know, why not bring Catwoman back? Michelle Obama. I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, all right. That is our discussion on the plot, I guess, of Batman Returns. Now it's time for what's your anal, sis? So we <laughs> want to know your analysis of the film. So let's start with you, Scott. What, what's your anal, sis, of this film? I mean, just, I mean, Catwoman. I mean, just Mama Slay <laughs> of just like gay rights right there. I mean, there's a reason why all of us as children just gravitated to that character. Of that, I mean, I can't even put it into words just because it's a feeling that you have when you watch a strong, empowered woman like that as a little gay boy. That is just like, I mean, it changes your life. That there was a yeah. reason why I was playing with the Catwoman action figure more than the Michael Keaton one. Yes. Is that you want to be Catwoman? Love it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You, Pete? Uh, I come to this movie looking at the whole Tim Burton oeuvre, you know, his entire like uh, dialogue, right? And I love to place it in the timeline. So when I listen to the score, I can hear A Nightmare Before Christmas. I can hear Edward Scissorhands. I can hear You can tell that he did them all back to back kind of in the fabric of the score, right? Um, I love looking at sketches of uh, of the Penguin and Catwoman as done by Tim Burton, and they look like characters out of A Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, they look like mm-hmm. background drawings that he did for um, for The Black Cauldron. Um, I... I I just think that as a comic book movie, it's so just bananas and like off the rails. And there's plenty of bananas and off the rail comic book movies out there. But, you know, love or hate Tim Burton, if you think he's a hack, if you think he's a an, an auteur, I just think that this movie is just has his stamp all over it. And I love his stuff. I appreciate it. I was just, you know thought that i was dark and brooding as a you know as a a junior high kid so i was all about you know give me Susie and the banshees give me you know smeared black eyeliner and and uh you know all this darkness so to to me this movie uh just hey there's a huge fucking rockefeller center christmas tree lighting ceremony in the first scene of this movie so yeah 
it's a fun Christmas movie, you know? So uh, I I look at it that way. I look at it in as a, as a fan of, of Tim Burton and his kind of created worlds. Um, So, so that's kind of where I look at it. And, uh, and, and yeah, just Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman to me, just revelation. And I, I go back to it all the time. Just because we watch it because we watch it. I mean, maybe multiple times a year. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my Mm -hmm. anal sis. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, obviously Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer is mother. I think that, you know, Scott, like like you were talking about, you know, there's a reason that we all kind of gravitated towards Catwoman and towards, you know, this movie uh, in general as, you know, in in our youth. And for me, this is such it's such an important film to me. And like when I think of films, when I like growing up, it's this film is always going to hold a special place in my heart. And I think was formative in my future and present love for horror. I think that this is for me, this is the quintessential Batman film. This is how I interpret Batman, this dark comic, a little bit of campy, but also a lot of moments that are really, really terrifying and really, really disturbing. And uh, again, kind of like going back at like the stuff that they're planning on doing to kill all of these firstborn, firstborn sons. I mean, the, the, the really, really dark nature that is behind penguin, but then also the real world darkness of misogyny, of ableism, of, you know, people, having too much corporate power. I think that it's just, there's so many layers that I think make it such a well-rounded film and, you know, is very celebrated, but I think can be celebrated, you know, even more for, for those reasons. I can see it being the type of movie that, I mean, it's themes of like corporate greed are just now as relevant as they were in the early nineties, if not worse with like, just kind of HBO and Warner, like that merger, and it just kind of like fracturing the entire entertainment industry. And it's all because of corporate greed that I can yeah. see movie executives probably at the time watching this movie and secretly hating it, but they don't want to say anything because it's making them money. So I, I find discussions like that to be fascinating. Yeah, I, I would say I actually find this film to be a film that the the underlying values of the film are definitely of the time um i think the idea they don't you know it, it's it's at this point you know like in in the early 90s and stuff where you know we're getting like this resurgence of women talking about um you know uh autonomy of choice of their body of how men talk to them and all that stuff right i mean we've always had those conversations but like they they they've come in waves based off like things that are happening in the world and like in the 90s we start to get this resurgence of that we also get a lot of you know after post 80s where everyone was like super consumers super super ultra consumers and capitalists the 90s we still uphold that value but now we're starting to question how we're being taken advantage of by the system and so one of the things that i find really fascinating about this film is it's actually it takes place during christmas but it always uh like destroys the Christmas tree and destroys the department store and destroys yeah. the toy store. So it really seems in a weird way that it is saying like, you know, let's, 
let's examine how we are, you know, becoming mindless consumers, right? We are still supposed to be mindless consumers, but we're being, ex- we're, we're, we're like, what does it mean for us? Bigger picture. And with the, the talk of like feminism about it, right? There's still this idea. This is, you know, up until the like 2010s, women were like, I'm all for women's rights, but I don't want to be a feminist. Like, don't call me a feminist. Like that word still had these negative connotations, but people were still talking about like, you know, like don't be mean to women and all that stuff. They weren't talking about it the way they are now and really pushing that conversation forward. But I think that is what you see here, right? There's still the, she's still like, tries to talk about being treated poorly by men and men do treat her poorly. But at the end of the day, it's still like a man who has to put her in her place because, you know, ultimately her emotions get the best of her. And I think that that value that informs the story writing isn't something that would go over well today based off of like what she experienced at the hands of every single man in this movie, including, you know, the guy that calls her on the phone and calls her an appendage. Right. So um, I, I I think it's getting there. It's definitely of the nineties. It definitely reflects a lot of nineties values. And I think that as a snapshot of how people in the nineties, what they thought of, plus also this idea of what happened around it, right? Like this is Batman. This is Tim Burton. This is the family stuff. And then it's, this movie is considered not for me. I watch it and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I never really thought too much about it. I didn't think it was that crazy. My parents weren't really concerned about me watching this film or anything. I know a lot of people did talk about that, but I look at it now and I'm like, you know, it's not that intense for children. Like kids see a lot crazier stuff on things that are for kids, right? Like hunger games is a lot more violent. And even though that's young adult, there's still like, tweens that watch it and everything so i like this film i like this film as a snapshot of the 90s like you know zeitgeist um and i think it's uh you know it's very tim burton the whole tim burton of it all this was like the height of like everything about tim burton so i think this is like really cool and i I don't know it's for me and now this has a little tinge of nostalgia for a 90s that as a child i probably enjoyed but maybe as an adult i don't know how i'd feel about so there's that Awesome. Well, moving on, we have a lot of like sexy characters throughout this. So want to know from all of you who you stabbing. And Pete, let's start with you. Oh, geez. I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like I might have to go with Chip Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I might awesome. have to go with Chip Shrek just because I mean, just because he's, uh, you know, beefcake. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's cold as cold Gotham City nights. He's just got he's just got those those big strong arms. Andrew <laughs> Brynjarski, uh, you may remember him from Street Fighter, the movie. Mm-hmm. He played Tom Yeah. Oh. I was like, wait, he's in Street Fighter, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, sure. He sure is. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think I think I'm going with Chip. Awesome. Scott, how about you? So who am I stabbing? I have never had sex with a woman in my life. <laughs> if I did <laughs> It would be Catwoman. So I, you're gonna you're gonna break that gold star. You're gonna give up that gold star. Well, for Michelle Pfeiffer and Catwoman, if I had to have sex with any woman in my life, it would be for Selena Kyle, oh, and maybe yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. I you heard know. it here first. You heard, you heard it first. <laughs> okay. Okay. Question: In or out of the cat costume? I mean, in. 
I would do either. I mean, probably would logistically be easier to have sex with Selena not in the cat costume. And I think that just with the big hair and the smoky eye, Michelle's pretty fierce <laughs> when she's not wearing the okay. costume. But let's be honest. When we say in or out of the cat costume, are you in or are you not wearing the cat costume? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to try it on. I like yes. to see it. Me? I Ow. <laughs> right. Vacuum Pop. seal. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Pablo, how about you? Um, okay. So there were a lot in this film that I was like, let's do it. So for me, it would be the clown gang and the fire eater. I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was like, and want to like poop him on the nose and like burn me up. (laughs) So, so the guy that pulled the sword out of his throat, you were just like, that did it for you. Yeah. I was like, if he could take that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can take I, these fingers. No, I don't know. For me, I actually am in alignment with both Pete and Scott because I initially was like, okay, Chip Shrek is obviously he's he's the <laughs> hot one of the film. But then I started to those creeping thoughts of of him being similar to Donald Trump Jr. really just started to bother me. So I think it that I'm probably going to have to go. I I am not a gold star gay, but I would dip my toe back in the lady to, for lack of a better word, pussy. Uh, <laughs> for Michelle Fire <laughs> Catwoman. All right, now for the gay gays. Here at Scared Gay, we like to see how accessible a film is for a queer audience. And we have a system to figure that out. And we're going to be looking at three things. Queer representation. Is the queer experience represented within the film? So is it queer characters? Is it a direct queer story or queer writers and all that stuff? Queer aesthetics. Does the film understand the wants, needs, and language of a queer audience? And then queer embrace. Has a queer audience embraced this film? So um, I'll start with with you guys. What do you think? I think it absolutely uh, kind of fits a lot of that. I think um, that just did we ever decide if Daniel Waters is gay? Daniel Waters is not gay. He is not gay. Oh well. Well, there goes that. Theory. Which is which is kind of shocking when you look at some of his scripts that like could have fooled me. Yeah, <laughs> not write the the screenplay for Heather's. For Heather's. But I digress. Yeah. I guess. Well, I mean, I guess that there is just an otherness about how Catwoman and Penguin are written that I think gay man can relate to. That there is something, there's something about that movie of how they treat those characters, of how they have, how they're both sidelined by society that I think the gay community can definitely relate to. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Paul? Yeah, no, I think that I completely agree. When I look at like, you know, when I was coming out and like finally accepting who I was, there's a lot of that you know moment. I mean, I didn't walk around and destroy my apartment, but I definitely there's that moment of empowerment and me kind of feeling so much yummier <laughs> once <laughs> I was able to once I was able to come out and really kind of be myself and and you know selena kyle she still continues to grow beyond that and i think that like there's mm-hmm. some parallels there i and like scott and you touched on kind of like that othering of both of the characters of penguin and uh and catwoman i mean penguin's flat out rejected by his family yeah and i yeah. think that there's definitely some parallels you know obviously that is an unfortunately 
far from uncommon story for for queer people and that they are completely you know figuratively thrown in a crazy looking stroller down in into a sewer into a sewer and abandoned by their family so and then beyond that this movie's gay as shit with Catwoman. I mean, like they could not be campier and in, in the best and most like delicious ways possible. Yeah. Pablo. Um, so I don't think the penguin at all really touches upon queer experience. Um, I think, I think what the penguin actually touches on is uh, the experience of like, physical otherness for sure being villainized ostracized by your community by society when there's something like physically different about you whether it's like a full like you know like vitiligo something like that to you know polydactyly or you know uh being born with like one limb or something like that i think the penguin's character is the one who really represents the othering of physical characteristics i think if this film didn't have catwoman it would not have like the queer embrace, right? It may have something mm-hmm. else, but it really like Catwoman is the one who contextualizes queerness into this film because it is a woman, a woman empowered. And there's something about centering a woman that many queer men and uh, queer women do find empowerment through there, you know, like uh, famously the golden girls are essentially about queer relationships. Like people have written about how it could have, it's, it's really just like queer men put together and you can only write, you, you can only represent that at that time with, with older women. And I think Catwoman has that. We do know like Catwoman is bisexual. I don't know when in the canon of, you know, uh, Batman Catwoman came out as bisexual, but she is considered bisexual. Her embrace of her sexuality, though it's supposed to be like, it's her, cat her embrace of her sexuality doesn't come out it doesn't come out until she like finds herself i guess as a cat she is reborn and i think that is something that queer people really do right they hide it they go through life just like meek and like not trying to figure themselves out once they do they really come into their sexuality their sexual awakening themselves as who they are and for some reason it is the story like the stories in which women are centered in doing this that really resonate with queer audience. So I think as a queer aesthetic, it has it down pat because of Catwoman. And then obviously this has a humongous queer embrace. So I think it really hits two of those three. We just, we just watched the drag race Hollis Slay Christmas special and Kylie Sonique love does her workroom entrance and she's dressed as the ice princess. Oh, lovely immediately got when we were watching that of that yeah. oh she's she's the ice princess from batman returns yep that's dope yeah oh that's so cool for sure awesome well now it is time for ratings and we at scared gay have a hookup inspired rating system it's simple and split into three categories travel host or ghost travel you're going out of your way for to get with this movie a plus host good enough pleasurable but you're not going out of your way for this movie and ghost hard pass, not memorable. And we'd likely only revisit in a moment of desperation. <laughs> Scott and Pete, I'm Have curious. What, what I'm, is yours? <laughs> and I'm traveling to that grinder hookup. Hell fuck yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm traveling. 
<laughs> I mean, even okay. So let's say that you, Pete, you get a message that they're in like the IE in the Inland Empire. Are, are you still traveling for Batman Returns? I think I still am. I don't know that I'm going an hour. Yeah, I'm traveling half an hour. I mean, maybe at night when like there's no traffic, it would be maybe 45 to 50 minutes to get there. Sure, you could actually make it in the IE in like 45 minutes. I mean, the thing is. I know this movie like the back of my hand. I own it in multiple formats. So if it's that far away, I'm thinking about it. It's a, it's a soft travel. (laughs) 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 Yeah. 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 But I mean, if it's local, get the hell out of here. I'm going (laughs) for me. It's, Plane, train, Batmobile. Like I am traveling absolutely all the way. <laughs> Pablo, how about you? Um, I'm a host. It's like a, just a solid host. Like I find this movie enjoyable, but like I'm not taking a shower to get out of the house. <laughs> like I'm gonna eat, right? Like I'm gonna do what I want. Uh, I, I see why anyway. people like it. Oh, I shower all the time, bitch. <laughs> um, uh, in people's piss. No, um, I'm not a big superhero movie person this is there i i I do like tim burton i do and so like that is a plus to me i do like the like you know gateway horror of it all i think that's a plus to me so like that's what like moves it to host um and then obviously catwoman is great but i'm just like yeah it's cool sorry (laughs) you guys are like (laughs) i no no that's the beauty of having these conversations all of us having different viewpoints All right. Well, this was Batman Returns. Thank you all so much for listening. And huge, huge, huge thanks to Pete and Scott for Movies That Made Us Gay. Please tell our listeners, where can they find you? Uh, Anything anything you'd like to plug, your socials, etc. I mean, we're on all the socials. We're Movies That Made Us Gay on, I mean, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, Blue Sky. We're on it all. Yeah, uh, but the show that uh, if you want to listen to us, we're available just on any Where you get uh, your podcast. podcast platform. So if you have an iPhone, it's pre-installed, but we're also on Spotify. We're everywhere. So yeah, Movies That Made Us Gay. Check us out at Movies That Made Us Gay or at MTMUG Pod on, uh, on X. So uh, we're most active on Instagram. Though, yep. So, so give, us awesome. a, give us a listen. Give us a follow. We have over 200 episodes. We're also on Patreon. If you want to check us out there. Um, just patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. We've got bonus uh, bonus episodes, commentary tracks. We're starting um, to do TV now, to too. Do TV We're doing stuff. a television episode a month. Ooh. So, Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Our Facts of Life just episode just came out. It, it did indeed. The so, Facts of Life. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So, give us a, give us a, a, a follow if uh, if you're so inclined. Thank you so much for having us yeah, on the show. Yeah, thank you so this much. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Of course. You know, we are so excited to uh, to, to finally have you on. So, yeah, and Paul was if you would super like, giddy. <laughs> If you would like to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Scared Gay Podcast. If you'd like to follow me, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Paul You Ever Wanted, Pablo. And I'm on Instagram at The Exorcist SF and on TikTok at Exorcist83. Awesome. Well, this is the penultimate episode to our to season two. I yeah. oh, Pablo, we actually didn't even talk about this. Pablo oh my and God, I went we, out to dinner the other night to celebrate two years of Scared Gay. <laughs> yeah, so we're fresh. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so thank you. 
to all of our listeners for all of your support. We're so happy to uh, d- to be able to do this. Pablo and I never would have dreamed that we would we'd be here so uh now this uh for our season closer we're kind of keeping we're unfortunately not going to do another michelle pfeiffer movie but we are going to keep the christmas theme and we are going to do better watch out never i've not i've not seen better watch out we need to though it looks fun i I think i'd be it's fun it's a lot of fun also infuriating in the best way possible (laughs) oh yeah it's so good so good all right All right. Well, thank you, listeners. Until next time, stay scared, stay safe, and maybe get a little gay. I'm Paul. I'm Pablo. Bye. Bye. Oh, we're Pete and Scott. Pete and Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.